Warning, some members of this podcast have been known for gratuitous use of the F word. If the F word is something that offends you, fuck it, let's do this. Awesome. Hit the theme music, Doug. Saturday, August 1st, 2021. Greetings, all you vaccinated victims of the virus. Yes. Um, <laughs> wow. How, how, how'd that, how did that uh, vaccine do for you there? Um, Se- second wave, Doug. Yeah, well, you know. Welcome to another rant. You know, we're all waiting for herd immunity. Yeah. <laughs> M- much like a virus, this podcast, uh, there's no immunity for it either. No. Um, don't, sh- don't shoot yourself up with anything because uh, it won't protect you from us releasing episodes. We keep, we keep coming out. It certainly won't protect you from us uh, yeah. making fun of you. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> In fact, please call, uh, text, or DM me on Instagram so that we know who to make fun of. Uh, just joshing. But speaking of phone calls, texts, and other forms of communication, I want to take a moment right off the top just to do one big giant sweeping salute to everyone uh, in my personal little friends list, my small little world of people that apparently um, listen to the show that I had no idea even knew about the show. Over the past few months, some would say maybe 12 months, like a year, you know, the length of time we've been doing the show, sporadically I'd get a phone call or a text message or or later find out that uh, it's actually some friends of mine that have left reviews for the show. And I got one from a guy, a good close friend of mine from back in college that I haven't, I don't, I don't think I've even spoken with in about a decade who's been listening to the show because another friend of mine recommended it to him. I'll keep all the names out of it because none of them gave me the permission to say their names. You know who you are. But you know who you are. And I really just wanted to take a quick moment off the top to say thank you. And I appreciate the absolute shit uh, out of those that have reached out to give positive remarks on this little fucking whatever the fuck we do. And uh, I hope that you keep listening, and I hope that it's still listenable. So not to get all emotionally and, you know, <laughs> sappy on you off the top, but uh, hey, it, it, lets it, it lets me know that we're doing something that at least others find quasi-entertaining. So I definitely you. appreciate the hell out of it. I yeah. mean, anybody um, who takes time out of their schedule to listen to our shit... <laughs> it's vastly appreciated yeah it's it's odd because just off the top of my head there's three maybe four people that at one time we were close friends very close because well they weren't married and we were probably uh at the same school at the same time and you know as life will have it you move to different states you start a family you get a career things change you lose touch with people oddly one of the side effects from this show is bringing some of those people back into my sphere, if only for fleeting moments here and there. And I don't think that it would have happened sans show. So I think that's pretty fucking awesome. I, I, I just wanted to acknowledge it off the top. Appreciate the shit out of you. Please keep listening. And uh, salute. And all yeah. of my friends, by the way, real quick, last statement on this. You have my full permission to tell anybody and everybody you want to about this show. Please. Uh, I know that in the beginning, I've kind of made it known that trying to keep a low profile because some of the crazy shit we talk about on this show and all that stuff, 
there's enough breadcrumbs out there where if somebody really wanted to find out who I am, uh, it's not hard. It's not hard. Yeah. Enough enough material has made it to the surface of the internet that... Uh, Basically, he's saying over the course of a year, he does not give a fuck anymore. No. Mm-hmm. I have lost all fucks to give. So share away. Feel free to tell whoever you want that uh, you, <laughs> you too know somebody that's on this silly little show. No, actually, the same things happened for me. I could give an absolute fuck anymore who hears or knows that I'm on this show. In fact, I mean, quite the opposite kind of reaction comes out from my corner. Anybody who finally says, oh, yeah, I've been listening. It's usually. Are you okay? <laughs> well, I think you, it's you pretty, sound different. I think, it, I think it's pretty obvious who I am. I mean, it's uh, there's no hiding that. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Salute to you. Thanks yeah, for listening. For sure. Anybody that listens, really. It's uh it's humbling. It, it is. is. It is. Uh, to have someone listen for three plus hours a week to shit that we just I don't know, ramble about maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Apparently rant about apparently if you will. we are having conversations that are not too dissimilar of that. Of what our friends are naturally. Well, having. I mean, we're everybody's going through the same shit. You mm-hmm. know, we're all going, we're all going the same direction on a fucking a vehicle that is completely out of control, and uh, we don't know where the cliff is. No, and we're just uh, you know, people. Some people are jumping off. Some people are staying on for the ride. I'm staying on for the ride. I'm gonna see. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the Thelma and Louise part of this. I'm gonna be the one that goes right over the I'll fucking cliff. I'll hold your hand, Doug. Yes. Aww. There we go. <laughs> that's sweet. Yeah. No. It's. But Who am I in this equation, Brad Pitt? <laughs> uh, you're the guy in the back seat. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's yelling at us. Go for it. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> go yeah. for it. Yeah. Just a year ago, it would be like, guys, I think you're going a little too fast. Yeah. Uh, I think I want off here. I think that I want to get off. That cliff is here. dangerously close. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you pussies couldn't find a, find a taller cliff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah. He's changed. He's changed. No, and it's funny because the people that you brought up, I mean, of course, not bringing up names, but. I remember these people from a time in my life where I was considered the guy on the couch. Yeah, you earned a nickname <laughs> under did. the uh, watch of of the gentleman that I'm speaking of. Yeah. Which, if they haven't put it together, if uh, if they're listening to the show and they just know, oh, that's my buddy Jim, and he, he's also got two other guys. One's Arona, and uh, the other one, I think, is his neighbor Doug. Well, guys, y'all know who Arona is. He's he's the guy on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> He's a runner from Arizona. From this was uh <laughs> well, it doesn't rhyme, but yeah, guy on the couch in Statesboro, circa early two thousands. If you'd care to tell yeah. that story, go ahead. Uh I mean there's not much to tell. I mean, I definitely earned the yes. name. Um, the guy on the couch. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I mean they had introduced me uh this day to Gravity Bong. Yeah, hits. we're gateway friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had definitely smoked before, but I had never smoked like this. And it was like I said, it was uh, one of their homemade gravity bong setups. And they <laughs> only the best. <laughs> they they I think it was like midnight, one o'clock. Everybody you know turns in, and I'm just still there on the couch watching TV. And I think the first person comes down the next day around ten or eleven o'clock. 
and I'm still sitting in the same spot, just staring at the TV like nothing's changed. Yeah, totally fucking zoned out. Like, oh, green, greened out. Got on the couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't even there. <laughs> like, I think I came over the next day, and that's when they were like, uh, who's the guy? You, you <laughs> might have just left. Yeah. And I come over because uh, it was Sunday. And back then, every Sunday, or at least at this time, they were the meeting place for new episodes of The Sopranos. Every night at 9 p.m., I think that's when it came on, I was going to be on their couch. Uh, they were going to be grilling out nothing but steaks and potatoes and beers and occasionally gravity bongs in the kitchen sink. And so I came back over, and I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday. Uh, guys, give me a call if I'm getting this story wrong. And you had just left, and they were like, hey, man, <laughs> that guy you invited over uh, yesterday just left. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the guy that's coming out. Do you know him? I don't know him. I yeah. thought he was your friend. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean he just left? Yes. Like, what the fuck did y'all get into? He's like, nothing. Literally nothing. <laughs> it was like, you saw us when we left. And I'm like, or when you saw us when you left. And I'm like, yeah. It was like. That was it. Nothing's changed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, where's the keg? Where's the, you know. <laughs> and I can't give a reliable story because I was entirely fucked for the <laughs> time that I was over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the gentler stories that we share on uh, on this podcast. Yeah. He just got too high. Couldn't move. <laughs> yeah. Not the first, nor probably even a thousandth of a percent close to my last time yeah shout out to garden <laughs> district i think that was back in like 2001 yeah. 2002 yeah garden district well we need to we need to get on to some sad news this some week serious business yeah. very very sad news uh the music world was rocked yet again with uh multiple multiple yes mm -hmm. multiple deaths and uh the first one i saw was mike howe a lot of people don't know who he is. He was the singer that stepped in for David Wayne in Metal Church. David Wayne did the first two albums, and then Mike Howe came in. And just incredible metal singer. I mean, just it, just listen to him, and you'll know what I'm saying. And uh, he had passed away, and the very next day, how, how, I mean, how, the very how. next day, I, I opened up, and Joey Jordison, from yeah. Slipknot had died. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? And not two hours after that, Dusty Hill from ZZ Top has died. Yep. Yeah. And so within, within a two-day span, from 80s metal to now metal, and one of the greatest classic rock fucking acts of all time. Yeah, mm -hmm. and lost a person from each one, and it, and Joey Jordison, I gotta say, I saw Slipknot on the on the second stage of Ozfest, and I believe it was nineteen ninety nine, and um, I've seen I've, right. I've seen them since, you know, I've seen them, mm -hmm. I saw them on the main stage uh, a couple years later, but I have to say, the first time I saw Slipknot on the second stage of Ozfest changed my life <laughs> forever. Yeah, I bet. I mean, it was. It was nine motherfuckers on a stage going insane. Yeah. I mean, just straight up insane. And the drumming was fucking incredible. Yeah. 
And I remember looking at my buddy. We were at Ozfest, and we both looked at each other at the same time and said, "Do you see that fucking drummer?" Just I mean, we doing both helicopters both the, the time. whole time yeah. and staying perfectly in time. And, and uh-huh. just incredible, incredible player and a uh, really good guy. From what I understand, he had a uh, a brain condition where he lost the ability to use his legs. Yep, and that's why he left Slipknot. Or was fired from Slipknot. He was, he was actually out. fired from Slipknot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, which is, I'm not going to get into that, but that's kind of a shitty thing to do to your, to your guy when he's going actually, through Actually, I mean, not but, to get too far into it. I mean, <clears throat> supposedly it was done by fucking email. Yeah. 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 And, and, I'm, and like I said, I'm not going to get into that because if everything I know about that story is true, I am literally fucking just angry <laughs> yeah. at that whole situation. Yeah. But anyway, he had to learn how to walk again. Mm-hmm. He had to learn how to play drums again. And for him to come out of that in the amount of time that he did and be able to go on with the bands that he had. I mean, it was, it's just an incredible thing. And yeah. 46 years old, man. I mean, that's, that's young, you know, that's, that's way too young to, to leave us. And, yeah. um, yeah, no, nobody knows. We still don't know the story. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you guys heard the nine one one thing. I, I wish did. I wouldn't have listened to it mm-hmm. now that I listened to it. Um, yeah, same here. It's just very sad. And then you know, Dusty Hill. Let's get to that. When I was learning how to play music, there were no three cooler motherfuckers than ZZ Top. Accurate. Now, now we're talking about the time right before Eliminator. And and all of that so came like out. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Degayo? All my entire life, I remember hearing you know ZZ Top all throughout my life. But when the Eliminator album came out, uh, that was in probably '84. I'm guessing maybe '83. When that album came out, with uh, you know, "Give Me All Your Lovin'" and "Legs" and all, all all these tunes that everybody knows ZZ Top for. But hell, by the time that album came out, they already had. <laughs> 20 to 30 you know top 40 hits uh, yeah. under their belt and um i grew up with that band you know it was uh that was a hard one for me when i saw that you know and that's going to continue to happen the older i get i know that but when you grow up with people and they're always there and they're not there anymore it's just a hole that we all live with when you yeah. carry on, you know? And that was what I was going to say. The Dusty Hill story is the one that actually got me more right. than any of the other ones. Even though I probably listen to Slipknot more and maybe even like Slipknot more. Um, and Joe, and I only listen to like old Slipknot. Like I, I don't, if they've released anything in the last eight years, I don't own it. Right. I don't, right. you know, my music taste was frozen in time. I, I left new music probably, I don't know, eight years ago. But ZZ Top, for the exact reason that you just said, it's because ZZ Top's been there the, the whole, whole time, time. Yeah. and oh, even for before sure. me. But growing up in my house, um, well, obviously Slipknot wasn't played or Metal Church, right, right. <laughs> but ZZ Top sure the fuck was. To the point where I remember my mom, that was one of her favorite bands. If they passed through Atlanta, she was at that show. right? And she even had like a little ZZ Top keychain that she hung from her uh rear view mirror and and now this is the 80s right right and this is georgia yeah, this yeah. is before georgia is what it is now and 
I mean, we were we were rednecking it up. My mom owned a 1986 Firebird fucking navy blue with the louvered hood in the back. And she bought that car the day after my parents watched Top Gun. <laughs> they already had an appointment set up with at the Toyota dealership to buy a Camry station wagon. Because, well, we got two kids now. We better get the station wagon. My parents went and saw Top Gun. The next day, they declined their order with Toyota, went to Pontiac, and bought a fucking Firebird. There you go. And so nice. I grew up. I grew up in the backseat of a Firebird. In the backseat of a Firebird <laughs> with a ZZ Top emblem, Chrome. Right. Just oh yeah, shaking with every turn from the mirror. Yep. Yeah. And if 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 nobody's ever grown up inside a Firebird, especially mid '80s version, when you're in the back seat, there's no windows. Yeah. There's a wall of speaker though. On it's each on side of you. Each side. So ZZ Top was implanted in my brain from a very young age. And it it still holds up to this day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It does. And so that's why I fully agree with you. Yes. That one yeah. sucked. Yes. And and if people don't know, Dusty Hill was the bassist right. of ZZ Top. Yes. And he, the and the singer of yeah. Tush. Overall great bassist. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean each member of that band is a icon for their you know for what they did yeah yeah i mean they're the power trio they are the product of the Jimi hendrix experience and Mm -hmm. and bands like that that came through cream you know they're the product of that yeah and the same way rush was but rush was a completely different kind of thing you know i mean when you when you're talking zz top you're talking fucking just down home blues with fucking just a just a killer fucking guitar tone and that Blue- bass and drums fucking just rocking, just keeping it, you know? Oh, yeah. Blues with Southern grit and a rock backbone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's fucking stellar. Yeah. 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 Amazing band. No, Incredible. there's not a band that came after them that cannot at least say that they had some influence of some sort from ZZ Top. Right. Now, I mean, I will say, you know, emotionally, um, I think Joey hit me. Um, a lot more, uh, but that has a lot to do. I mean, Slipknot has gotten me through so many tough times. Um, just, I mean, their music, their lyrics, everything, the wild abandon that they, you know, kind of approached music with, um, you know, I, I, I've got to say, you know, definitely with everything that, that occurred in my life and, I don't know. I mean, that, that definitely got me. Um, especially, I mean, we, we've experienced from the nineties, you know, so many artists that have, uh, you know, fallen very recently. Yeah. Yeah. Brutally. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's going to keep happening. You know, the older we get, the more we're going to lose, but man, the loss over the past year alone, I mean, has just been fucking devastating for me. Uh, I mean, just devastating. It has, it's changed me. It's, uh, and you know, it started with Eddie, you know, when Eddie, when Eddie died, man, it was, it was just, I lost part of my heart yeah. and, uh, it keeps going, you know, and Dusty Hill was part of that too. You mm-hmm. know, I'm sure it happens to any musician that grows up to people growing up in the, in the forties or fifties or whatever that idolize, you know, someone then, and then they pass away, you know, it's, it's the same thing, you know, I mean, you can look at like buddy rich, I'll give you a good example of this. Buddy Rich, when I was a small kid, I saw him on Johnny Carson mm-hmm. doing a drum off with the drummer from Johnny Carson's band. And I remember saying, 
well, why ain't he playing drums for Johnny Carson's band? <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. saying good. And I was a little kid at the time, you know, but I could see, I could see the difference, you know. Yeah. I could see mm-hmm. that he was a much better drummer than, the, you know, I mean, and he was just going off. And, uh, and you know, there's a lot of drummers. Like, you look at Neil Peart. And, I mean, you look at every drummer. You look at all of these guys, uh, Portnoy, all of these guys now, and they all, they're number one. Almost every one of them's number one is Buddy Rich. Mm-hmm. And it's either Buddy Rich or it's uh, Bonham. They all have that Bonham-Buddy Rich tie that ties it all together. And then you look at somebody like Joy Jordison. Mm-hmm. He probably looked to Portnoy and to Neil Peart and, mm-hmm. and those guys, you know, and it just keeps going down the line. Yeah. And you've sure. got all of these kids now that look to Joey Jordison the same way we, you know, the same way I look at Eddie, the same way all these guys look at their heroes. Mm-hmm. And what happens every time is somebody will break out. One of these kids that's been listening to Joey Jordison their whole life, one of them kids is going to be a breakout. Yeah, and, for sure. And what I mean by a breakout is they're going to do something on the next level that is just going to blow the everybody's fucking that mind. That hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet. Right. No. It hasn't happened. And it happens with every kind of music. Guitar-wise, when you look at the guys in like Dragon Force and bands like that, mm-hmm. I mean, those guys, are that's just sick shit that nobody <laughs> will ever be able to play. You know? yeah. I mean, it is. It's They're incredible musicians. They, they write incredible stuff. But when you get on a personal level with a lot of people and you still have the ability like those guys have and they know their genre is very small you know yep. it's a, as far as the masses of people but when you take somebody that has all of that talent and then they they still have the uh simple rhythm sense you know what i'm saying like uh don't go over people's heads with you know crazy arrangements and stuff like that keep it simple but fucking blow them away those are the breakouts those are the guys that fucking change everything yeah they never, change it never lose the groove exactly they don't lose the groove and they still are able to have large masses of people gravitate towards them mm-hmm. and love what they're doing because they might be doing a and uh, just this incredible playing but they'll be doing it over an arrangement that's familiar to those people mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like just a little three chord progression or something like that that most people can grab a hold of. Yeah. And but, if and if you listen to interviews from a lot of these standout breakout artists, when and everybody always asks this question. It's it's the most boring question, but it's the most necessary question. And only the good ones will surprise you with their answers. Everybody always asks, who are your influences? Right. Mm-hmm. Now, 99% of the time, I'm going to be underwhelmed because they're going to say like the same four bands that everybody knows. Right. Like, you know, right. Like the do nothing. I, I can't imagine that you got anything out of this. Like, oh, well, my top four, I was very much inspired by Weezer, Green right, Day, right, and right. Foo Fighters. And it's like, okay, well, those three bands are good in their own right, but they're not pushing music to new uncharted areas. Right. But occasionally, like I was watching a, an interview because now Slipknot's all in my timeline because right. I've been looking up a sure. lot of videos about it. There was an interview with Corey Taylor, lead singer, being interviewed by Larry King. And obviously Larry King's no longer with us, so this must have been quite a few years ago. And he asked, 
He asked a legitimate question because talk about the age gap there, the generation gap between yeah. Corey fucking Taylor and Larry King. Right. Oh, yeah. Does Larry King even know who Slipknot is? Right. Has would even know, like, if he heard that song, would he run out of the room? <laughs> oh, he was a definite uh, heretic anthem fan. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Larry King was a maggot. I think we can uh, all agree. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Like, but he asked the question Is your music music? Or, or something to that effect. I like, remember that is, interview. Is, is yeah. metal music. Yes. And the answer that Corey Taylor gave was fucking awesome. Yeah. Because he started breaking down because he, he knew that Larry King was a jazz fan. And so he went into Larry King's musical understanding, genre, right. and spoke his language. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, he broke apart the, the major differences and the five different groupings of jazz. And well... In that case, this person from this type of jazz, that would be like them saying that this other person doesn't do jazz. But right. would you say that? And he goes, oh, absolutely not. And he's like, and that's why thrash metal, black metal, you know, and then he went through yeah. all the different types of metal. Right. And he's like, we're just in one of those. And we're just as much music as fill in the blank jazz artist. Right. Sure. And to get that level of response out of somebody who performs the kind of music that Slipknot is, which most people would think is just, let's see how fast and loud we can play and yell right, a lot. Right. But there's a lot that goes into their composition that the uninitiated would never even pick Dude, up on. All, all sure. the metal bands are like that. All of them. I yeah. mean, we were, any metal band that's out there, you're going to get in. I mean, there's guys in metal that they wouldn't admit it, but they were influenced by ABBA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. ABBA, yeah, sure. BGS, I mean, you know, and, disc, all the disco it, stuff. Yeah. It's in there, and and it is in there. It's in there. It's in speed metal. It's in death metal. It's in all of it. But you, if you didn't know to look for it, you would never find it. Well, yeah, yeah. And one of the biggest influences. I mean, Jim, you remember when you know I was in college? Anytime I bought any DVD or anything else, usually you know the main content played second fiddle to the extra content and you know uh metallica uh did their uh snm concert i remember uh them kind you know talking to the people in the uh, orchestra and how much they were like in awe of time signatures and differences and everything else and that you know listen to any metal musician a lot of them talk to about the similarities between what they do and say beethoven and you Lawrence know Bach. yeah yeah everybody said like in just piggybacking on that a lot of people say oh if if Bach or beethoven were alive in 1984 they'd be heavy metal artists yeah for sure i mean they say you know classic music has a very huge um you know it's one of the biggest influences for metal well classical music is it's the truest form of music and metal is the truest form of music i, I will argue people that to the day i fucking die mm -hmm. because in metal as in classical you can evoke a feeling of foreboding of just oh this this is not going to be good yeah. This is not going to be good. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to just passively listen to this. Right. Something is about to happen yes. here. And classical music is the exact same way. It, they're the only two kinds of music that I can think of that you can go from feeling happy and cheery, and then boom, it dropped to just fucking death. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's like it, it's almost like a death march. And 
people feel that on a, especially I remember when we used to go see the orchestra when I was a kid, we'd go on field trips and Mm -hmm. we'd listen to the orchestra and the civic center and shit. And it was amazing to me. I would sit there and I would be like, I would be just like trying to now, you know, of course I'm a musician, so I'm trying to figure out, uh, okay, these people are doing something, but, and then that guy over there (laughs) starts, and and I'm trying to get it on a visual level. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm hearing all of this music going on, and it's it's an amazing thing. And metal is the exact same feeling that yeah. I get. It's just less people yeah. doing it. That's yeah. that's the only difference. Yeah. Through technology, we've created ways that we can reduce the number of people required to get that level right. of sound. But yeah, with orchestras, especially doing like classical, not symphonies, because most people when they hear classical music, they think of like. Like uptight, stiff neck, right? Like just like easy listening, right? That's just natural. Right. When you hear classical, you put it in the box of, oh, this is easy listening for right. old people, and it's like fuck no. There's some heavy, no, heavy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you beneath your balls level of heavy in classical. And, yeah, and most of them were. If you use the word heavy, they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look at Paganini, you look at uh, Bach, you look at uh, all of them. Uh, Beethoven, think of this. Beethoven was fucking deaf. Yeah. Imagine how hard that motherfucker was banging on them keys. <laughs> to fucking, yeah. If that ain't metal, I don't know what is. You know. <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, being completely deaf, having your ear on the piano and banging the shit out of the keys, that's, that's pretty metal. That's metal as yeah. fuck. That's pretty metal. They were, I mean, they were the almost the punks of their time too. Yeah, I mean, exactly. even though they were, you know, big time in the in the influence of society at that time, still many times kings and queens were very against the music, calling it dirty. Right. You know, right. so you know, for for that time, yeah, a lot of those individuals were the punk rockers. Yep. Yeah. And and I can understand. We haven't done it recently on this podcast, but if we're talking about music, I'm going to use this as an opening to shit on EDM. (laughs) Because the one thing, or all the things that we just spoke about to build up what music is and its effect on people and what it leads to as far as it driving the next generation of musicians to go into areas that have not been explored yet, or even if they've been explored, go down hallways that weren't ventured down prior you don't get that. It, you you can only get that if if there's actual music and musicians and musicianship going on and an actual study of it. it it's a, almost like a science, like, right? Because uh, it's you know, math. Yeah, yeah. it's math. Uh, mu- music is it, it's straight up math. Oh yeah, but it's the conduction, and the reason why classical ensembles are so amazing is because of the conduction of multiple people who are at the top level, top skill level of their independent, you know, instrument doing their best all in a fluid motion to carry out this one monster wall of sound. Mm -hmm. And even when you get into a band playing actual instruments, it's on it. Like I said, it's on a smaller scale, but the effect is the same. When you whittle that down even more and continue to simplify it even more and even more and even more, to where it's nothing but one person with a playlist of computer sounds, that's where for me, it's no longer, it's no longer analog. It's too digital. It's not to to me personally. It's no longer music. Well, that's what I'm because what you're doing. Yeah. What, and and 
I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna get into this because I'll piss a lot of people off that I know really good, mm-hmm. uh, really well. But I'm not gonna I, I won't get too deep into it. I don't know any other way to put it. But I feel like if you can take samples of of some other person playing their instrument and put them together, anybody can do that. You hear that, Kid Rock? Anybody mm. can do that. Anybody can take a section of something that somebody played and they can duplicate it 20 times and write a write their own little rap or whatever over it and call it theirs to me that's not what music is music is a lifetime dedication to whatever your instrument is whatever it may be even the classical guys will agree with me on this even though they look down on us. I, I know classical violinists and cellists, they don't even look at me as a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't. I mean, they, they're they like, you know, you're, you're playing, not classically trained. You're playing rock music, and that's just, yeah. oh, uh, it's it's just rock and roll. It's just simple. And they think rock is like um, the way I feel about the shit that's cut and pasted together. Yeah. They look at it the same way, but they will agree with me when I say this, that it takes a dedication that is unmatched by anything that I can describe in my life. When you sit in your room and you practice your guitar or your bass or your drums or your horn or whatever the fuck you play, when you're willing to sit in a room and do that until you can't talk, until your hands are bleeding, until you, when you do that day in and day out and day in and day out, you're a musician. You're in the game. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of music you're playing. You have skin in the game, literal skin in the game. Yeah. And when you take someone else's shit and you cut and paste it together, you're taking the skin that that, that whatever sound you just stole from somebody, which to me, that's what it is. All this sampling shit is just stealing shit. Well, and I want to get to that because modern <clears throat> EDM isn't even sampling. Um there's some of it, but they're building their own shit that was created only oh, yeah. only in a computer. But sure. real quick, the 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 classically trained musicians that think of you as not a musician, it's not because uh, that's true. It's only because they look at who they're playing music for right. as being legitimate music right. fans. And the, your audience as being degenerates, deplorables, and not worthy of... <laughs> but what sucks is I'm part of their audience. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's I, what I, sucks. I know, but what I'm also saying, I'm not saying EDM is trash because the people that like EDM are trash. Right. I'm not using that same argument. And I'm not even going to say that sampling uh, is not within an art form because you can't tell me that Paul's bu- boutique from Beastie Boys isn't art... It, or other sample. I used to listen to electronic music, you know, mm-hmm. old, actual like house trance dance, uh, old nineties when when the rave scene was just coming up. See, I think you're I think you're confusing uh, one thing. Let me clarify one thing right there. Uh huh. Those dudes were making their samples, and that's what I was getting. They at. were making their own. Yeah, shit. and that's and that's what I'm getting at is there was a time where just because you used electronic means to create that wall of right. sound you still had to compose it right you had to create it yep and put it in the right order to make make your own sound make it all unique the reason why i'm so hard on modern day edm the shit you see um at you know all the all these 
All these fucking stupid ass videos on Instagram where chicks are dancing. They're like river dance. Right. They're mod- they're uh, they're uh, modified river dance where they're just kicking their feet around the whole time. I swear to God, you put a kilt on them. Call me, you know, <laughs> call it river dance. It's and, all yeah. it is. And well, see, uh, you know, I music sucks. I'm not one of those people though that's going to declassify or delegitimize anything as music because I mean, honestly. Every generation before us has tried to do that to modern music. Uh, And then, you know, years later, we start unpacking, you know, the artistry behind some of the stuff. I'm not saying that I don't get what y'all are saying. I do. A hundred percent. I would be in the same camp as both of you as far as understanding and believing the talent that goes into other music as compared to EDM. But those individuals are going to be the same ones that jump back at you and go, do you know how long I spend during the day making sure that I put everything together in a certain place in a certain way? And, you know, at the end of the day, I think it it ends up dating us. I think at the I think if you're shooting, um, you know, for an emotion, for a passion to something, that's all you really require for art. Well, you well the, I'm going to I'm going to clarify something on what I just said. Sure. And I I'm not talking about people that make their own shit. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not talking about 9-inch nails and ministry and all these but they make they make their own shit and yes they do sample it. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, that's art. That's that's they're straight up legit. I'm talking about people that go out and seek shit from elsewhere. That have no idea what they're doing and they can cut and paste something together that one of their friends will say, Hey man, that's killer. Why don't you write some lyrics to it? And then they write lyrics to it. Now I'm not saying the lyrics aren't art. I'm not saying that, Yeah, you know, but the way that they got to their, it's the, it's the way that things are coming together. Now it's just like Spotify fucking us on royalties. All of the way things are happening now with music are going to make music worthless. All of the things that are coming together against music. And what I mean by worthless is the people that make it cannot make a living making it. That's what I mean by worthless. Because Mm -hmm. a large market share is going to people that aren't. My whole thing is, is I've always said this music it's considered music if you can play it live. That's and that's yes. And people in the electronic sphere, Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails, right, right. Uh, Paul Oakenfold and the Crystal Method and the Chemical Brothers and you know even Moby is a musician, right? Mm-hmm. But the modern day people, it's the same thing as saying like, uh, well, yeah, you know, even if you want to go back to the '80s. There was a lot of people playing instruments, but it was fucking shit, and it wasn't music. You know, New Kids on the Block isn't fucking music. Right. It's pre-produced, packaged bullshit that right. is not inspiring. Yeah. Right. And to me, the modern-day EDM that you see playing at all these live festivals, I just watched a, a mini, not documentary, but it's like an hour-long video that this kid made who grew up in London, massive electronic fan, uh, who, who was totally moved by Skrillex. I think the name of it is me and my homies hate Skrillex because he talks about his progress through the EDM wave of the late nineties, early two thousands in London. And he goes through these different artists and that's actual music because these guys are creating that shit. 
And when they play live, a lot of these people are just hitting play and then acting like they're turning knobs. Right. All they're mm-hmm. doing is hitting play on a playlist. Yeah. That's not being a yeah. musician. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm railing against. Yeah. Sure. The people that are actually up there with their entire board that has all their sounds and they have to hit it right at the right time and put it in the right space and all that, those guys are musicians. Yeah. Because yeah. to me, there's no difference between that guy doing that and a guitarist hitting 15 different effects pedals um, because he's playing the guitar the same. But he's manipulating his sound through technology. I'm not against the technology sure. aspect of it. I'm definitely not against and, the technology. And I, I understand, because I speak so simplistically to be, well, um, as to the point where I just say, EDM sucks. It's not music. Uh-huh. There's a very specific branch of that, which I'm going after. And it's the shit that is just wobbly bass. You know, you know, and screeching sounds. It sounds like two washing machines trying to fuck. Yeah, it's a chaos pad with a fucking song playing. That's what. That's all. Yeah. If yeah. you if you want to make your own EDM music, people out there in the land in the world, go get you a Korg chaos pad and play any fucking song you want to play through it and wave your hand over it. Just wave your hand over it. Yeah, it'll do all kind. You'll have your next EDM hit. Here's the perfect example that I can think of to shore this up is I say it simply like I would say, Oh, rap is not music. Well, bullshit that what I'm getting at is like, it's the same equivalent and difference between like Nas as far as like a lyricist and an actual musician and a composer of his music versus Takeshi six, nine, a guy that comes out and just goes, Gucci man, Gucci man, Gucci man. If you read the lyrics and then listen to his composition that somebody else put into a computer it's shit yeah there's yeah, no yeah. there's no he's not he didn't come up understanding and appreciating music he's doing it because he wants bad bitches and eventually he wants to snitch <laughs> so that he gets under witness protection but Nas is like no i'm going to write poetry and then put it over music yeah that's what i'm saying the modern day edm is no different than takashi 69 versus that, the old school shit that was like nas right no that separation i would totally agree with you know just just where if you're going up on stage and you press play yeah and then that's all you do yeah yeah no that that i would take issue with oh, uh, it's yeah no no, 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 no. I, i'm aware day. i'm aware fuck, fuck it's always been like one of those things where like you sound like old man river up the street it's like these kids are just pushing buttons that yeah, ain't yeah. music but in this my me and my homies hate skrillex video it's very in-depth this guy did a great job now he's english and he's a total fan he's into that shit hardcore hey mad respect whatever yeah. but he shows video of quote-unquote djs on stage miming Mm-hmm. And, and they put these little GoPros right on their board. Yeah. So you can see, it's like watching wrestling thinking they're punching people. Right, right. <laughs> they're not even grazing the buttons. I don't no. even know the buttons are hooked up to anything. Yeah, they're probably not. But they're, they're still not, not touching it. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they, they, literally somebody in the back. It, it's no different than like uh, when people go on like SNL or even a real live show and they're lip syncing their own shit. Yes. You're not a musician. Yeah. yeah. You can't even play your shit. Like you could only do it once in the studio with the magic of technology, and that's just how it exists forever. You're not a musician, yeah. and that's my point. Yeah, that's me right there. That, yeah. well, that's and I, you know, I think it was uh, Joe Rogan I was listening to. I forget what musician he had on, uh, but they were discussing, you know, how big of a deal 
you know, Millie Vanilli was back in the day and how people got so pissed off. And they're like, this is how a good portion of our music currently is. Yeah. And people get yeah. away with it because well, nobody gives a shit anymore. Well, see, the only no. thing that uh, the, the only thing that got Millie Vanilli busted was Bruce Fairborn, the guy that fucking, he was like, that's me, mm, motherfucker. The guy that built them. <laughs> yeah. 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 He got pissed off because he wasn't he didn't feel like he was getting yeah. his uh, uh, the attention that he deserved for putting all that shit together. And uh, and he spilled the beans and. And, and, you know, I mean, there's so many producers now that, uh, and pro producers, I'm not going to slam a producer. I'm not because when you use the word producer, that's a, that's a completely different word than musician. A producer is there to get the best product out of what they're working with. That's a producer's job. Yeah. They're, they're supposed to, if you're producing a band you're supposed to get the best performance out of that band you can get. If you're working with a rapper, you get the best performance out of that rapper you can get. So producing is a, it's a legitimate thing. It's not. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I'm not going to slam that, but I will say this, a little caveat. There are a lot of people that think they're producers that are not producers these days. Yeah. A lot of them. Uh, there's a lot of them. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Dre and all of those guys, especially in the rap game, would definitely uh, uh, agree agree with what I'm saying. Fuck yeah! But there are legitimate people out there that um, and I'm not going to get into the rap game because the rap game is well, that shit's real. Uh, there's yeah. no uh, the beats and everything that are in that are legitimate guys that make beats for a living, mm -hmm. and they're killer keyboard players. They're killer. I know. I know a lot of them. And they're really good at what they do. But when you get into the EDM, which is what we're discussing right now, mm -hmm. like I said to everyone out there, if you want to be an EDM artist, go buy yourself a Korg Chaos Pad and, and run any kind of audio, <laughs> anything, <laughs> run any kind of audio through the Chaos Pad and into some speakers and wave your hand over it and <laughs> Wave your hand up and down, and you'll get that. All that, all that fucking skrillic shit is right there on a chaos pad. And all you got to do is wave your hands over it. Yeah. And to me, that's no different than giving a two-year-old a theremin, a, a little yeah, or a theremin, or or even a two-year-old giving him one of them little fucking pianos. And they figure out how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Actually, I give the two-year-old more credit for figuring out how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb. So. And that's my point on the EDM stuff. If it keeps going, man, I mean, they have computer programs now that will write fucking songs mm -hmm. that are incredible, that are fucking incredible songs. You can take, like, I could sit in my studio. I could play one chord on the guitar. I could play another note on the bass, a completely different note. And I can put a kick drum and a snare drum in there. Mm -hmm. And that motherfucker will write a whole song out of everything that I just put in there. Yeah. And it'll be an incredible song. And it's because the whole world runs off a fucking algorithm. Mm -hmm. And all they have to do is have just enough pieces to put that algorithm to work, you know? And when you got just enough pieces to put that algorithm to work, music is not music anymore. And that's where we're going. Mm -hmm. All these companies like Spotify and, and fucking 
Apple Music and all these all these big companies, they're going to be able to buy a fucking computer. They're going to be able to make up a band. That just make them, make them up. Just get some people in, take a picture of them, tell them they're a band. Mm-hmm. Write songs for them. They ain't even going to have to write them. They're all going to have to do is hit, hit enter, and the songs are written for them. Coming this spring, yeah. Avatar. Yeah. Yes. And, and, Produced and, by AI. And AI make, is a wonderful producer. Yes. Yeah. And make bands that way. Yeah. That is coming. That's no, gonna, that is coming. And see, there was a time that music was very much um, that it was music first, image second. Now, no. I think we cro- crossed the threshold where it's image first, and then music doesn't really play much of a part. Yeah. It's more about the image of the individual. And I, I, I think that's one of the biggest, you know, problems with what we've got going now. Yeah. It's having a lot of non-musicians being the tastemakers and the king makers saying, this is what's going to be good. And then if you get enough cute girls on Instagram dancing to it, well, guys are naturally going to follow because they're hoping that maybe one day, one of these hot EDM chicks will, you know, <laughs> let us do the thing. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, I get it, but, uh, I reject modern EDM wholeheartedly. So fuck EDM. That's yeah. basically yeah. Your- yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff in there. You know, there's a lot of really <laughs> bad bands that are actually playing instruments. They just suck. There's a lot of there's makes- a lot of people that have no business being in the music world at all. It, it, it's like they took movie effects, uh, effect sounds in movies, and they put them all in a program, and that now they can just hit them anytime they want to. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. edm pretty much you take every fucking foley library in hollywood and throw it in a fucking <laughs> throw it in a blender and there's edm it's a lot of schizophrenic sounds that's for sure but if there's one thing i'll say because my god we went this was one healthy rant <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no shit well it's it's music related you know? <laughs> yeah i will say this this is my last thing i'll say on edm i wish that most all of those quote-unquote djs would pull a simone biles and just fucking quit <laughs> there you go now, we haven't really talked about this at all uh, on this podcast, but uh, did you guys know that the fucking Olympics are happening? Hey, we, we, we did mention it last week, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but uh, it, it hasn't been a big deal. I mean, and, and the reason why is because they're not showing them to us. Well, they're all happening in the middle of the night. Yeah, and we, but they're still not showing them to us. You go on like NBC or whatever on their fucking app, and it's like the, the story of the athlete. But not, but, the, but not the fucking actual event that yeah. they're in. You know, it's like, it's weird. Every, it's very strange. Yeah, every Olympics, they used to release an Olympics app that you could get free video and be able to keep up with what's going on and then archive shit of what happened the day before. Right. None of that shit's happening yeah. anymore. Well, there, it's the nature of the beast now with so many people cutting the cord, but also if you still have a cord which I do, there's 394 channels that are in basic, your basic package or whatever. Yeah. And so you have your your ESPN 1 through 8. Right, right. You know, never forget the Ocho. Uh, you, also, <laughs> you also have Fox. Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, you know, FS1, FS2, Bally Sports, NBC Sports only, golf. You know, there's so many different things that they actually are carrying the Olympics, but they're on Olympic specific channels that are somewhere in the 400s. Right. That you got to go find, which is bizarre because growing up, whenever the Olympics happened, that was the only thing that was on NBC. Yeah. Yeah. 
the entire time. Weeks. Yes. It's all it was because it was guaranteed. We, you know, the producers can take two weeks off. That's when all of NBC execs would take their vacations. Yep. Because they don't even need to program anything. Right. Just, they just point throw the cameras. Bob Costas, pro, throw Bob Costas in there and, and, his, and fucking. And his crazy pink eyes. Yeah. And, and let and him just go. Let him go. And just point the cameras at the field of competition. And that is all you need. I don't know who the fuck is winning. What I do know that America won all golds in shooting. So did we? we you know. Ah. Oh, nice Good for us. <laughs> I don't think anybody should be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Good especially, for after, us. especially after how the last eighteen years ago. Uh, I truly believe they have quote unquote amateurs out there because American amateurs we can still take home the gold in shooting. But I haven't kept up with a single. I haven't seen a second of. I don't know what we're good at. I, I know we're supposedly not doing well in basketball. Um, and, and I know that Simone Biles backed out. Yeah. That's all. And to me, the Simone Biles is the only actual story coming out of the fucking Olympics because it's just weird. There's so many things around this one that is just not interesting. And I, guess. I love the, uh, the headline, you know, behind it where a lot of newspapers are going Simone Biles, so much more brave for, uh, you know, uh, quitting the Olympics than actually competing. Yeah. It's more heroic. So, you know, as a product, I actually called work this week and I was like, in solidarity with Simone Biles, uh, I've decided I'm not coming to work because it's more heroic for me to stay home. Yeah. It's my patriotic duty at this point to quit. So, uh, fellas, I don't have a job anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so that's why you stood up. So no, I, I, We'll get into why I stood up. <laughs> yeah, Rona is currently standing, making everyone feel very awkward in this yes, time. Yeah, I'm like, have a seat, man. Hang yeah, out. I'm pulling the Donald Trump. I'm going to start walking up on all of you from behind, just be like breathing on you. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if no one knows, Simone Biles is like our best gymnast. Yeah. And she was pretty much, you know, already pre-chosen to get nothing less Sweet of a silver medal. Yeah. yeah. You know, at worst, she would get a silver. If she got a silver, it'd be like, what the fuck happened? Um, but in Arona, help me out where I fall short. But apparently she backed out of singles and team competition because she woke up one morning and claimed to have the twisties. A mental mm -hmm. health issue. A mental health issue. Yeah. Which... What, what she was saying and what she's later clarified, because obviously if you come out and do something like this during the Olympics, you're back in the day, you would just get chastised, bullied, ridiculed, and you would have to go into hiding for, you know, a couple of years and go sell hats somewhere. But now it's an immediate, I got to choose a side. I got to take a side and I got to let everybody know that I'm on that side and then therefore go argue with everybody else that's not on my side about this one person's decision to back out from fucking Olympic. They're making the big uh, thing that she's the last survivor of this doctor that Larry Nasser. Yeah, the guy that was uh, molesting kids. In yeah. the, did she get molested? Did, yes. did she? Okay, well. Yes. And they're making it like her getting molested is the reason that she's not competing. Uh, is that, it's because they have is to create. Like a, they have to create something that makes sense to them, so that they can insert themselves into her situation. Well, yeah. And to them, they go, "Well, the only thing that can make sense is, you know, she was, she was assaulted, and she was abused." So, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no. This isn't her first Olympics. 
Yeah. It's not like she was a rising star in other areas leading up to this Olympics and we were just really looking forward to her debut. No, she's been in Olympics before. She's competed. She's won. That's the whole reason why she was a shoe in to get the gold. Right. What she claims is that this whole twisties thing is where your head isn't talking to the rest of your body. It's basically yips. Well, like, so when she's flipping around and running around and when she's upside down or, or whatever, her brain can't tell her body where her body is in the air. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so she can't, it affects her performance. Right. She can't land things. She could get injured. And right. all of that, I, hey. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that just springs up when you're in the middle of an Olympic run when you're at the Olympics. Like, I would think that this would be something that you kind of see is coming. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. So I'm not going to take a side. I really don't give a fuck. I, I, th- I think quitting during the Olympics is not good. Carrie Strug could have easily quit during uh, the Olympics here right. in Atlanta when she blew out her Achilles. But she still ran down that fuck. And by the way, if you think molestation <laughs> wasn't happening back in the 90s, uh, you're out of your fucking mind. Oh, well, more so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> During the 90s. But other people have overcome worse events and worse setbacks. Um, and so there would have been a better story had she stayed in and overcome it. She right. would have been a hero to everybody, unquestionably. But quitting without, you know... I, I don't know. It, well, to me, it's I, like sure. If you quit, then you're gonna you're gonna catch hell, even if it's justified. Right, right. It's just the way of the world. I well, think- I'm gonna say th- I'll, I'll say this. I'm not a gymnast. I never have been a gymnast, and I could guess that the twisties, whatever she's calling this, could be a thing. Sure. Because I mean, when you see what they do with their fucking body, is it's just insane. I mean. When you're, especially when they do those floor routines and they're jump up and they're doing all these flips and shit. And it, if you're, if your head ain't in that, you know, if they are a thing, I'm on her side, you sure. know what I mean? Because, yeah. and the Olympics makes perfect sense to me because that's the biggest fucking crowd you can fuck up in front of. And if your head's not in it, why go out there and, and embarrass yourself? Well, and, and from a mental health standpoint, I definitely uh, am on her side. I do understand I mean, there's something that I've heard a lot of that I do appreciate they're granting a lot more credence to recently, especially in lieu of her being mentioned so much in the news and about mental health. Um, You know, there was something that was always said to me that anytime I said it to anyone else, they just kind of scoff it off like (laughs) whatever. But, you know, every psychiatrist I ever saw is like, you know, you've got to approach your mental health issues like you would a broken leg. It's, it's, you know, in many ways, the same thing. It's an illness and you need medication. You need care. You need physical therapy, which is, you know, quote, the actual therapy, uh, part of things. And so I do appreciate that they're now kind of treating this, you know, as an illness that, you know, this is just as important as those things, because it is, I mean, if your head's not in it, then everything else is going to suffer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, so, and she could have saved herself a, you know, a career ending injury. 
sure. from from not you know not doing that. So uh, you know, hey. All I know is if it, this is the biggest story coming out of the Olympics, the Olympics fucking suck. Yeah, and and yeah, no shit. We can't see them to see if they do suck. That's the <laughs> thing. That's the thing that sucks to me. I can't watch them to see if they suck. Well, I will say this: one of the things I saw that did come out of the Olympics was that two guys uh, in track and field, some guy from Italy and some guy from another country. Sorry, I forget. Not really that interested. Um, they both tied in their event. So typically, whenever there's a tie, there's supposed to be a runoff. You know, all right, go do the long jump. Go do go do the event you just did until there's a winner. And they both got together with one of the Olympic officials. And it's on video. It has them being read, okay, y'all, this is what has to happen, blah, 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 blah. And the two guys asked, well, can we both just have gold? And the guy said, uh, yeah, I guess if that's what y'all want to do. And so it's like, what's the, what's the point? Right. What is the, what is why the entire, why isn't there a showdown? What is the entire essence of the fucking Olympics to begin with? It's goes hand in hand with what we talked about with college football last week. And the reason why I like old college football, uh, better than any other sport is because the entire, the entire purpose of the Olympics is to have physical competition to see who is the best at that from different regions of the world. And you represent that region, in this case, countries. Hey, you know what I want to see? Uh, there's a tranny in there. I don't know where from. Uh, there's a man competing as a woman. I can't remember I what. Yeah, I think it's the deadlifting. Yeah, okay. Uh, this is what I would love to see. I would love to see the tranny get beat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I would love would. to see that. Well, actually, no, I wouldn't. I want, the, I want the training to dominate because yeah. I want it to be unmistakable uh, the, the, that they can't right. go in. Because if the trainees start getting beat, you're going to still have a lot of really fucked up yeah. women getting beat the fuck up. But like I'd men. still like to see the training get beat. I mean, just because just as a just as a fuck you to the whole, you know. All right, let's I, get dark. I, I, I agree. I, I, know what, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're but, saying. But. I'm going to yes and you. Sure. I would love to see this brutish dude fucking just destroy all the women. And then because he's already so far out in head, ahead that he comes around on his third heat and he's like, I'm just going for the world record now. Right, right. I'm going for the men's world record. And he blows every joint in his body into smithereens. <laughs> and he lives his life in a fucking wheelchair. <laughs> there you there. go. There. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. <laughs> Fuck that dude. Yeah, that, that would certainly be interesting. I know it's it, it, it's crazy that they're allowing them in the Olympics now. It, it's almost like a I don't know, man. I'm not going to get into that whole discussion because we talked about it yeah. before. But it yeah. When you got a man, uh, when you got somebody that grew up as a man, and all of a sudden they're a woman, and they come into an event and they dominate it. Oh, oh, oh it's shocking. No, it's not. In short, not. there's a global push in certain areas that control things like this that are more concerned with wokeness and acceptance than competition I, I, I and do, that's fine but get the fuck out of the comp the competitive world you have I, no I business do here want to kind of circle back to that especially what we were just talking about and i do understand you know the olympics has you know long been that place where you find out who's the best who's going to get the world record but there's the other aspect of the olympics where you know, the rings are supposed to mean, you know, togetherness and all, all these other things. And trust me, I do understand where that's lost on us as a society at this point. But I do understand 
where they could take what you're talking about with the two guys taking gold and say, these are two individuals accepting that they're, you know, on the same level and this is togetherness and, you know, to, you know, fuck I, that. I, yeah. Fuck all that. I, I, say, I, agree. I say, no, if, if both of you are willing to bastardize comp- competition, then the third place person now gets gold fourth and fifth or silver and bronze and y'all are disqualified. I just think they should fucking battle it out and see who wins I agree. the gold and who but wins if, the silver. But if they're not willing to do so, yes. disqualified. Yeah. Yes. Your talent. We've seen it plenty of times. People perform at a certain level only to find out that they were cheating or they had advantages over other people. Just because you ran the fastest, uh, if you're still not conducting yourself within the confines of the rules of engagement at that competition, then get the fuck out. Yeah. But I mean, still the Olympics are that place where you've got the individual who's, you know, dead ahead is going to win this no matter what. And then they see that somebody back in the other lane is like limping Mm -hmm. and they're not going to get there to the finish line. They go back and help them across. Sure. I mean, but that guy doesn't get the gold. True. He doesn't get a gold because he's the best guy or was ahead or the fastest. You sometimes the lesser guy wins um, because you stick to the look. The whole idea of Olympics is fucking retarded anyway. It's a bunch (laughs) of people representing, you know, plots of land around the globe and they're competing to see how physically more dominant they are. It's kind of archaic and it's kind of retarded. But if it's going to exist, fucking stick to it. It's not hard or get the fuck out. If you get the twisties, go home. Have somebody else fill your spot. If you're both going to finish first and you're too much of a pussy to say, I want to actually see if I'm better than this other person, then why are you in the Olympic? Like, who the fuck trains for that long and devotes their life just to get to a point where they meet their equal and, they're and they give up? Yeah. Yeah. And they say, I've come far enough. All right. And then they fucking roll around on the floor like in such exuberance because they're sharing a gold. It's the gayest shit ever, and I fucking hate it. It's feminizing competitiveness, and these are two men. Yeah, and I'm, I, I know that I come on this podcast, and I'm a voice of, well, the past, of how it used to be, because, and I know it sounds a little bit some. Ugh, I know it sounds a little bombastic at times, but I think we're hearing so much from the other side that's pushing everything in this direction. That there needs to be, there must be opposition conversation. Sure. Because I think if we just blindly go off into this direction where everybody gets a fucking medal just for showing up, we're, we're literally talking about participation trophies in the Olympics at this point. Yeah. And that's how retarded, how retarded would I have sounded in 1992 as a soccer mom when I was like, participation trophies, next thing you know, they're going to be handing out golds to everybody and, at the Olympics. And They'd it, be like, it, shut up, Karen. It goes What's com- fucking happening? It goes completely against the word competition. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm believe not it gonna. or not, you know, fellas, I, I, I do bring the things up that I say more as devil's advocate oh, yeah. than I actually agree with some of the shit that I'm saying. I mean, I do agree with there's the direction of it. I think that there's a plausible, you know, area in which those things could be true. But at the same time, I still think it's 100% fucking retarded. Oh, yeah. No, without devil's advocate, you know, without that uh, desire for debate, then there's no conversation. Then we're just as guilty as the people that we rail against for not arguing from the opposition. Yeah. And that in itself, message. Every every kid should get a trophy, Jim. (laughs) Yeah. 
well, I mean, want the, him to feel bad. The Feeling Olympics bad can't happen. The Olympics are already an inherently retarded endeavor in the first place. Considering, I mean, think about it. The only people, as far as the ad- athletes that end up making money, are the ones that are lucky enough to end up on the Wheaties box or whatever the you know current trend of ad or, or, advertising or, or is. Or chop their dick off and run for governor. There I mean, you there's go. There's many different pathways now, but the main entity making money is the olympic organization themselves because guess what it's not the cities that host them in fact you know the cities always tend to lose shit tons of money compared to you know what they're actually supposed to bring in by having the olympics there well i'll say this I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think Simone Biles is going to, has activists written all over her. She's going to be an activist going down, uh, in the future. And she's going to use this as her, her jumping off point. She's probably never going to compete in the Olympics ever again. And now she has this as her rally cry to go after all of her haters. And I think it's going to suck a big, massive Olympic sized dick. But speaking of the whole reason why it's odd that these Olympics don't matter is if you grew up like Arona and I did. Here in Atlanta, well, the Olympics were huge. They were life-changing, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And going back to what you just said about the cities losing money, they might, in that instance, for what it takes cost-wise to build up everything, to make it presentable on the world stage. But Atlanta has, I don't even know how, like, doubled, tripled, quadrupled. I don't know what 10 or 20 is. Oh, it was a success here. It's, It's still... It's everlasting. Yeah. Yeah. The growth. Raging success here. The growth of Atlanta. I was talking to Arona pre-show. There's two different. There's two different Atlantas in our lifetimes growing up here. There was the pre-Olympic Atlanta and the post-Olympic Atlanta. Mm. And there's been other surges since then, you know getting Super Bowls, getting a lot of major events, you know, the growth and everybody moving here, the film industry coming here and all that shit. But pre-Olympics Atlanta, Atlanta was nothing great. Oh, I know. I've I've been here many times before the Olympics. It was just like any other city in in the South now. I've said this numerous times. It was like Charlotte is now. Had a few businesses, Delta, Home Depot, you know, had some big... It was the biggest city in the South, but even back then, it was still nothing. I yeah. mean, it was nothing. You had a few tall buildings, and it was like, that's Atlanta. And it was kind of great. <laughs> it was kind of great. Now, there's a lot of cool shit. Like, we have a Top Golf right down the fucking road that we would have never gotten. Uh, they built up new malls and new cineplexes, and there's a lot more cool shit, but there's there's more... The end result is there's too many fucking people. It brings about too many people, and the city can't grow fast enough to keep up with them. Yeah. But there was a magic moment from 1993 when they announced the Olympics were coming. The next three years was horrible because everything was under construction. Getting around the city was terrible. No, when I moved here in 95, it was fucking, that was right before the push for the Olympics, and it was shit. Yeah. You couldn't even go downtown. No, it was... They they tore they basically tore down Atlanta and rebuilt it yeah. in three years, mm-hmm. and it fucking blew. But for those few weeks where we were the centerpiece, we were in the spotlight of the world, it was cool as it fuck. It was the greatest was. traffic I've ever driven in here. They scared the shit out of everybody. I remember, <laughs> dude, I remember, because when I first moved here, 
you know, in 95, uh, my first day here was just a fucking eye opening experience from hell. The traffic, every, everything was just, it, it all hit me at one moment and it was just terrifying for a minute. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck have I done? Yeah. And over that period, I remember, uh, when the Olympics started, they kept telling everybody, they're like, you know, the traffic is going to be mad. There's going to be. And then I remember Cobb County wanted nothing to do with the Olympics. And it was, it, it was just crazy shit going on. At, at, and then the game started. And that morning, I remember going to work the first day. I was thinking, oh, this is going to suck. And, man, I drove 80 miles an hour all the way to work. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And then I leave work that afternoon. Same thing. I'm thinking traffic's going to suck. Same thing. 80 miles an hour all the way home. And it was like that for two weeks. So my uh, thing for Atlanta is please bring the Olympics back and scare the shit out of people to where they'll stay downtown. They'll stay right in the village and all that shit. And uh, yeah, do it. But next time, make it, I don't know, three months. Give me three months of fucking that traffic every day. It was beautiful. It was fucking beautiful. Now, we'll say this. The one time I did go down there was after the bombing. We were down there two days after the bomb went off. And the night that we were down there, there was 1.2 million people in the Olympic Village that night. Now, I don't know if anybody has ever, I don't know if anybody out there went to the Olympics in Atlanta when they were happening or whatever, but I don't know if you can even fathom 1.2 million people in one place at the same time. Now but, it's just known as 285. But yeah. it was it was fucking incredible the yeah. amount of people that were down there. And I remember uh, Little Feet was playing, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Oh yeah. And we I walked over to the sound tent where the bomb went off and they were, they had this whole memorial section roped off and I got pictures of it somewhere, but I had never seen anything like that before then or since then. Yeah. In, in my lifetime. And I'm glad we went down there just to just to see it, you mm-hmm. know. But it was, holy shit. It was insane. It yeah. was insane. And I, w- I was lucky enough to be part of the festivities as far as going to events and things like that. And, I mean, it was a whole new world. It was very interesting being part of that. Um, but the definite kind of change between uh, before the bombing and then after the bombing it was very odd. And I mean, I think we've ex- explained on the podcast previously kind of what, where we were when it happens, yep. you know, how we experienced it and, th- and things like that. But now's a good time to go back through. I mean, mm-hmm. the reason, obviously I bring it up only because the Olympics are happening now. And this yeah. is the oddest thing ever because they were supposed to happen last year, obviously right. on an even year. And maybe that's something deep down in my wiring where I'm like, this is just, this is just an abomination. Like the Olympics happening on an odd year. Like maybe, I don't know, but it's because it's happening now at the same time. This also marks the 25th anniversary since the Olympics here in Atlanta, which is a monumental kind of a number. And so it just kind of gets you thinking like, I'm not, I don't give two fucks about these Olympics, (laughs) No, but because it was such a monumental thing that happened for the city of Atlanta and changed all of our lives, uh, undoubtedly it's fun to look back and think about like what was life like back then you know what was it like before then and how has it changed since 
and I remember, you know, watching the Olympics, we never left the neighborhood. Um, my entire neighborhood, like, I think I had some friends that went to the tennis matches over in Stone Mountain. They went and saw some other events here and there. I never, we weren't allowed to leave. Uh, my stepdad was an FBI agent. He was on the joint terrorism task force. So he was working downtown the whole time. And he flat out said, do not come downtown. Don't cut, don't get in any of this. Um, just don't do it. And so we didn't, we stayed home, but in my neighborhood, if I went to any, and because it was summertime, all the kids were playing, but then we also all wanted to get home to watch this event right. or that event. Sure. And it was an event in itself to, all right, whose house are we going to to watch these? You know, any house you went into, the Olympics were on. It was the fucking thing. And I remember staying up late, watching the, the, the news, I guess, to break down the events of the day. And then they break to Centennial Park when the bombing happened. And my mom was already in bed asleep. But I knew, right, and my stepdad was obviously on call. He was working that night. Sure. And I just knew from watching the news, we're not going to see... We're not going to see my stepdad for who knows how long. And because I knew that he was on the Joint Terrorism Task Force, then I start getting worried. I have no idea if he was there, if he was a target, um, if this was the first of many bombings that were going to happen. It was That night was terrifying. And I'm sure it was for everybody else in Atlanta. But I, I went and woke up my mom to tell her, hey, turn on the TV. Like, which was probably a bad move, (laughs) but so my, my take on it, I didn't get to experience any of it. I didn't get to go see any of it. I was told not to, and my mom was not going to break those orders. Well, I don't, I don't think people realize how big of a fucking building out that the Olympics took here. Um, cause I, um, you know, we go up to the mountains all the time and dude, even the river up there, the Nanahala, man, they were. They blasted that fucker out and for the uh, kayaking mm-hmm. events and shit, and it changed it forever. It changed the – there's whole parts of the river up there that I go to now that look nothing like they did when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. And it's because of the Olympics. Well, it's you, because they blew that see, shit out. And you can see, not just to echo your point, not just around the city, but all across the southeast, like yeah. uh, the – Last August for my birthday, when my buddy Adam took me whitewater rafting for the very first time, I went up to the Okoe River in Tennessee, and that was where they had Olympic events for right. uh, additional whitewater rafting, right, right. kayaking, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and they still have the Olympic rings up. They still have all of the you know, construction that had to happen just for that one place to have one day's worth of events. Yeah. That's going to be like that forever. And at Covington, man, what they did out there was incredible for the equestrian shit, for the horses and stuff. Yeah. Man, it was, uh, there was nothing there. There was literally nothing in Covington, Georgia. And then I think it might have been Conyers or Conyers. Maybe it is Conyers. Conyers, Yeah. uh, Horse park. Yeah. Yeah. The horse. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. Yeah, I went. I went to a wedding there. I got so fucking lost. I wound up driving down a golf cart. <laughs> I, I, I was. I was. I was on a golf course, and I'm driving. I'm in my. You know, my. my I, I had a little S10. You know, and I'm like, fuck. This is a fucked up road. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'm like driving, driving, and then this fucking uh, ranger or whatever the fuck he is, he pulls me over. You know, and 
I'm like, what the fuck? I'm looking for a wedding. He said, dude, you're on the cart path. I'm like, what the fuck? How did I mean, that happen? I mean, you can stay on the cart path, yeah. but just do not turn, yeah, you know, don't, do don't, not drive across don't the Don't drive across the fairway, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he got me turned around, and it it's huge out there. It's a huge park that they built. Yeah. And it was nothing. There was nothing there. And now there's there's subdivisions and shit and malls and all yeah. that shit built up around it. That they would have never been there had the Olympics not come here. Yeah, no, you know? the, the Atlanta sprawl is sickening in some ways yeah. and awesome in others as yeah. far as like, holy shit. Yeah. But it's like a blast radius directly out from, you know, downtown Atlanta where, you know, population just started completely enveloping the areas surrounding. Yeah. But, you know, going back, it, it kind of sucks because living here, growing up here, I remember the Olympics for so many different things. But, I think outside of Atlanta, if you bring up the Atlanta Olympics, the first thing that comes up is the bombing. The bombing, yeah, for sure. And at that time, at least in my lifetime, that was probably the most notorious violent act in the city uh, during my lifetime. Right. Uh, by the time I was born, the Atlanta child murders was over. Um, or was winding down. It, it was basically over. Was the abortion clinic before or after the Olympics? That's a good question. Because, uh, sure the, the, you know, the same guy did it. Yeah. Both of Eric them. Eric Rudolph. Yeah, Eric Rudolph. Uh, I can't remember if it was. I do remember coming home and seeing on the news. They The one view that they had was this lady walking up and her hair just blows back when the fucking second I'm, bomb went I'm off. I'm pretty sure the abortion bombings were before. And that was like his build up to right. the Olympics. Because right. I'm, I'm, if I remember correctly, because now everybody's on alert. I don't remember there being any bombings after. Well, the there, I, I remember there was the the one here, and then there was one in Birmingham. Yep. And uh, and then the Olympics, maybe I guess was the the his final target or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I think things would have been on such high alert after the fact that there's no way that abortion bombing would have followed it. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was there was one here, and then there was one in Birmingham where they uh, that's where they actually identified his truck. Oh no, I stand corrected. So there was one in Sandy Springs. Yes, uh, on January sixteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Okay, so that was after. Yeah, yeah. Shit. And then Birmingham was that was January twenty ninth, nineteen ninety eight. Ah, so yeah, I stand corrected. Those were definitely they afterwards. Were three years, three years apart. Yeah, so so, yeah, the Olympics. I re I remember when the bomb went off, uh, in Birmingham, and somebody identified his truck, and that's the way they found out who the fuck he was. Yeah, and then that's when he took off into the mountains and yep. was on fucking. Yeah, dude, that that guy evaded capture for a very long time yeah no it was it, uh, was, it was nuts and he was just milling around the yeah, mountains yeah mountain up towns. in the mountains eating out of dumpsters and shit yep but even even with those abortion bombings nothing really gets the notoriety and the attention that the olympic bombing does you know there's been notable like i said you know the atlanta child murders were probably a lot bigger that right, was right. national attention but you you kind of hit on a big stage with that and that was one thing that, sadly, we're going to be remembered for. It's a bummer. Because there were a lot of really cool moments from the 96 Olympics here. Yeah. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, yeah, lighting the torch. The, the U.S. Yep. gymnast team. Those are two monumental things that happened. And, and I got to see the torch, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I've 
I saw it twice, actually. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I saw it in one place, and then I drove down and saw it in another place, well, saw the torch. Yeah, and I, I think Kerry Strug, that moment, is one of the greatest Olympic moments of all time. Yeah, and that's why so, I, I just lump it in with everything. That entire yeah. female gymnastic teams was uh, insane. But And I remember like every... For like years, at the top of the AJC, it had a countdown to the Olympics, right. and it had a map. Yeah, you know this is yeah. where this is where the torch is coming, and you could you could follow it. It told you it's crisscrossing this way and this way and this way. Yeah, they had it down to the minute. They had that torch shit down to the minute. It was crazy. Yeah, but moving into modern day Atlanta, speaking on the bombing being what that will be remembered for, I think there's something else in the works that has happened this week. That somebody is trying to put Atlanta back on the map for some really violent, fucked up shit. And I'm it just because it just came out this week, I don't know how big this is going to get. But there's, there's people saying, there's people calling for, or not for, but claiming that there's a serial killer in Atlanta right yes. now. And if anybody listening hasn't been paying attention to the news or if this news hasn't made it nationally or to where you are, um, I'm not surprised because they seem to be squelching a lot of this, maybe because it's an active investigation and they don't want to panic the public, but what went down this week in one of our biggest parks, Piedmont park in downtown Atlanta, it's Atlanta's central park. It is, it's like the equivalent. It's like the park, uh, that all the major events are held. A woman and her dog were both found butchered. Basically, um, what went down was, uh, I'm going to play a little video here from our local news. This was on July 28th, early in the morning, uh, a woman takes her dog for a walk, a walk in Piedmont park and her girlfriend gets worried about an hour later, wife, <laughs> wife, sorry. Um, and then goes and looks for her and finds both her and her dog, uh, just mutilated. Now let me say. I just want to say something real quick to this. Mm -hmm. Now this this I'm not I'm not saying anything, but I heard the wife. <laughs> the wife did it. <laughs> Sorry, I heard the wife on the news, uh -huh. and she did not sound that broke up to me. Now I don't know what that means. I don't know. I'm not saying it means anything, but the way she was talking on the news, it seemed like. I don't. I don't know. It just seems strange to me. I'll. I'll be honest. First of all, I don't think there's a serial killer in Atlanta. But the reason why they're thinking it is, and we'll get back into this story because this story to me is quite bizarre. Well, I'll be honest. You're the first person I've heard characterize it that way because I'm not in the know as far as hearing that it's a potential serial killer. I've heard the story. Well, that's not that angry. That's that's going around in other states. I mean, that, yeah. that, they called us from Florida. You, you know, my you know what my wife does. I mean, mm -hmm. that, they called my wife and scared the shit out of her. You know, they're killing pet sitters in Atlanta, and uh, yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't think that's what's happening. So the police are naturally being a little uh, closed-lipped about all the circumstances around what's going on, and a lot of times when there's no information. People will fill that void with their own. They'll start internet sleuthing other murders that are happening and they'll just tie them all together. Right. They don't have any evidence. They don't have, they don't have the knowledge of what the actual crime scene looked like or, you know, none of that shit. But what did in fact truly happen was multiple women were killed in parks around Metro Atlanta this past yes. week. 
That and that's not normal. That yeah. doesn't happen every mm-hmm. week. And so it, it's kind of one of those things where occasionally things will just crisscross. And because of the gruesome nature of this murder in Piedmont Park, people now start attaching every single other thing that was also an anomaly to this one to make right. it bigger than it is. Right. And we don't need to. Right. It's already fucking bizarre enough. Yes. And the only reason why I even heard that potentially people were claiming that there was a serial killer on the loose is because of Reddit and postings of screen shares of messages. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to read one real quick. We'll get back into the details of this story here in a second, but it's the story around the story that seems to be catching a lot more attention than the story itself. Correct. And I saw this the other day, I think yesterday where, and again, this is somebody posting screenshots of screenshots of other people's screenshots of messages that they supposedly had where they put literally in this person's fucking message. It says, Otis, my sister's boyfriend is roommates with a Norcross police officer. So already you're working on like six different yeah. channels. Of like, yeah. What the fuck? Oh. Uh, and he just told them that they just found a girl chopped up in Norcross tonight. So everyone, please never be alone anywhere. Uh, there's something horrible going on right now. And then it goes down to supposedly this message from this police officer. Right. Or Otis. I don't know. Um, so it, it starts off with this guy saying, so did I tell you the details that the police are not releasing? This person responds, no. Now, it gets a little graphic. He continues to say, okay, so her, her vagina was cut up. She was sliced from her groin to her neck. He sliced off her Jesus. breasts and cut off her eyelids. This is an active serial killer investigation. They have no suspects. Tell literally every woman you know in Midtown since the fucking police aren't releasing this and everyone needs to know there's an active serial killer. And then there's multiple other messages from this person who posted this and that are just panicking. Oh, I'm so terrified. This is terrible and all that. Do I know if any of this is true or not? No, I don't. Um, is there a serial killer in Atlanta? I mean, there could be. There could be any day yeah. in any city. Anywhere. Yeah. That, For sure. They oh, could they're have, active out there now somewhere. Oh, sure. Yeah. They could have any target. You know, most. Yeah. It's kind of surprising in a negative way. How many murders don't get solved? Right. All yeah. you got to do is watch A&E's first 48. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know that's on TV and they have commercial breaks and all this other shit, but it's real active cases and a lot of them, nothing happens. Not a fucking thing happens. So I'm only bringing this up, A, because the nature of this murder in Piedmont Park, which we'll get into, is when you hear hardened detectives and police spokespeople like taking a break and just saying it was brutal. It was gruesome. And the dude fucking killed the dog. Yeah. Whoever's willing to do that. That's personal. And yeah, that's why. Yeah. Agreed. But, but, so two things there. So you already know that the murder scene is going to be beyond fucked up. Right. Um, Just beyond. Because it's either an actual crazy person that is a like potential serial killer. We don't have Jack the Ripper here in Atlanta. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and go out on a limb and say that that's not the case. I... As soon as I heard the story and heard the nature of how she was found and dismembered and all this shit, I was like, that's passion. That is a passion murder. Um, supposedly, the cameras in the park weren't working that night. We seem to have a lot of these questionable yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
murders where cameras aren't working. Um, but it was a 40 year old woman, uh, who worked as a bartender, I guess got home late, you know, if, especially if you work, you know, night shift or whatever, you're walking your dog at 2 AM. It's right. just the only time you got, um, but she was also like, the thing I just read was talking about something that happened to Norcross. I haven't heard about this. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about Norcross. I've only heard about it on this. I only, <laughs> so. I only know Stone Mountain and this. Yeah. And that's it. Well, well for, and, for, and there was one in, uh, there was one in Lilburn. That same day, a woman was found shot to death in a park. And the police could not identify her. They had to release pictures of her tattoos to try to get somebody to identify this victim. Right. Sadly, the the family member saw it on the news and then came out and said, "Yeah, we know who that is. That's right. our, you know, sib- or, that's our kin." Um, but people get shot in Atlanta every day. Sure. And it's summertime, so they're going to be in parks. I don't yeah. I don't think it's anybody hunting people down in parks. I don't know. See, I mean, but we are living in those times where you see an uptick of serial killers. I mean, the, the, whenever the time period is as contentious as it is, now that usually um you're gonna see a lot more activity with that kind of homicide okay i i did find something though uh that might be doug what you were talking about tonight only only on cbs 46 her partner opening up about the tragedy in just under an hour family friends in the community will gather to honor Jeanette. all of this comes as the search for her killer continues CBS 46's Haley Mason live in Piedmont Park after sitting down with the victim's lifelong partner. Haley, good evening. They called each other wives, Sean. I sat down with Katie's wife as well as her dad to talk about how they want the Midtown bartender to be remembered as creative, funny, and witty. It was her wife that made the terrible discovery that she'd been brutally murdered right here behind me inside of Piedmont Park. Katie didn't deserve to go through what she did. Emma Clark tells me it hasn't set in that her life partner, 40-year-old Katie Janess, is gone. And if I was at home not without her, I, want, I, I missed her even in those times, you know. I always wanted her to be around. She was funny. She's smart. Emma says Katie was her favorite person, like her wife, who was talented, big on social justice, and loved to write music. Katie recently wrote this song about social justice. Those fond memories came crashing down. Uh, I mean, I you know, Doug, I don't know. As far as what reaction you expect someone's going to have when they lose a loved one, I mean, there's all sorts of uh, different reactions. I mean, plenty of people don't realize something's happened as far as mentally catching up to it for weeks to months. No, and I get, I get that. I do get that. But if you have someone that is basically, you know, uh, dismembered and their dog is killed, that sounds... That sounds kind of personal to me. And the only reason I bring this up is because we've, we, we've discussed this before. Every, it, when it, it, bullshit is easy to spot. And I'm not saying she's bullshitting. I'm just saying her reaction to what she has just been told is not the reaction that 
people would expect. That's not, that's, that's just what I'm going to, I'm going to say that now I'm not blaming her for anything. And maybe it's just like what you say, but I will say this when the Susan Smith incident happened in South Carolina, we were in the town at the time that it happened. We saw her on the news and the very first words that came out of my mouth is that bitch is lying. And I knew she was lying because of the story she was telling. And what was the case, Doug? And the case was Susan Smith, in case nobody knows what she did, she drove her three children into a lake in South Carolina and just watched them die. Um, then she goes to the police and she tells the police a black man stole her vehicle with three white kids in it. And... Drove that she bitch into and a lake. she don't know what happened. She no. don't know what happened. Now, for one thing, a black man's not going to steal a vehicle with three white kids in it. If if a black man does steal a vehicle with three white kids in it, you will find that vehicle one block away with the doors open and the three kids still inside. <laughs> because he didn't realize there were three kids in the vehicle. Or you're going to find three kids standing on the side of the road. On the side of the road. No yes, yes. You're, you're going to yeah, find yeah. them, a, a baby in a, you know, yeah, you're going to find them on the side of the road somewhere. And you mentioned, you know, um, the chick well, down in Florida. Well, you got Casey Joe, Anthony. Casey yes. Anthony. You got Jody Arias. I'm, I'm going to play something. I'm going to play a clip from... Uh, Chris Watts, the husband that murdered his entire family up in Colorado and then shoved his daughter's bodies into an oil tank and then buried his wife face down in a shallow grave. And um, I'm going to play that for you now. That's personal. Yeah, this is pretty personal. And this is what he sounded like the morning of raw interview. I'm Chris Watts. W-A-T-T-S. What's going on right now around your house? Right now, it's got canine units, the sheriff's department. Everybody's like they're they're doing their best right now to figure out like if they can get a scent, see where they went. They went on foot, they went in a car, they went somewhere. And right now, it's just like they've they've been on point. They're going through the house trying to get a scent, and hopefully, they can pick something up to where it's it's going to lead to something. What happened? So. Yes. He goes on for seven more minutes, and there's hours, actually, of video footage. Uh, he was very involved in the search, and this isn't abnormal. And I'm not saying that this inherently means that this woman was killed by her wife. But there's already an existing pattern that we've all seen numerous times. A lot of times, the more sensational the crime scene, the the closer to the person uh, is the actual killer. Yeah, it's because it, it takes, look, it takes to dismember somebody and to kill the dog. Mm-hmm. Those those two things right there tell me that it, they knew this chick. Yeah, you know, some, it, it wasn't just some random thing that somebody killed him and they said, oh, I better cut up the body to try to get, no, no I, I don't, I don't buy that. Well, not only that, we everyone knows or should know by now, especially with the nature of, true crime podcast it's the biggest shit ever that the murder weapon of choice when it when like if it's just a single gunshot and the person's just left dead which is what happened here in Gwinnett County and I'm I I feel bad for all of these events occurring in whatever manner they occur it's fucking shitty somebody else took somebody's life it's, right it's right reprehensible but a 
stabbing slash mutilation in Piedmont Park and a shooting in Gwinnett County, a a serial killer doth not make. Yes. The likelihood, I'll I'll put it to you this way. The chances that the wife killed this woman are exponentially greater than than there's a serial killer going around killing women uh, in parks. I will say that. Right. The chances are far greater that it came from within her own house than it did that there's a serial killer out there going through all the different ways to right. kill people. Or someone yeah. she worked with or someone close to her. Yeah. Well, ratio yeah. ratio wise, you know, the the murder of someone, especially in a passionate way, usually does point to someone very closely in that individual's sphere. Yeah, I guarantee you. I'll say this. I'll Fuck it, I don't give a shit if I'm right or wrong. I'll stand corrected and I'll issue a statement of correction yes. if I'm proven wrong. Uh, she knew who this person was. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Because here's one thing, and we've talked about this every fucking week on this podcast for a year. The, the crime is up, uh, violent crime is up in Atlanta. But you know one thing that I haven't heard a whole lot about or even seen uh, in the statistics? That stabbings are up. Yeah. Stabbings aren't. The The... Modus operandi of people killing other people out there typically does not involve a knife in the city of Atlanta. Yeah, no, it's usually you getting one to the head and yeah, a couple to the chest. Or if someone is going to stab someone in an effort to kill them, they're not going to stick around to dismember the body because right. they don't have that connection to that person. Right. And if if this is something that was totally random, I expect there to be more dismemberment uh, findings. Across the Southeast, uh, starting, well, at any time. Right. And if there's none of those, all the things point back to the closest person to this individual. It's not It's not an indictment against her wife. It's looking at, over the course of time, the overwhelming majority of time, when the most bizarre kinds of killings happen in mm-hmm. very public manners that get, garners a lot of attention... The answer to that is very rare uh, to be something random, right? Done by someone they don't know. That just—it's overwhelmingly in the other way, where it's like, oh yeah, no, it was the person that's been on the news right there with them, or shared a house note with them, or or, or was a coworker. It's somebody that that person saw on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, would. I, I would certainly, you know, discount the wife, though. And I mean, the reason why I would say the wife right off the the bat, you know, or right off the word go that I would say does not have anything to do with this. Her explanation of how she found the, uh, you know, her uh, her wife and the dog, they are able to triangulate that shit very easily as far as, OK, where was she when she tried to ping? Uh, where was she when she, uh, you know, sent the first message, you know, so triangulating where she was and things like that is a lot easier now. I, I, unless she's an idiot, I mean, um, I don't think that she's the one that, uh, pulled this off. Okay. And and I'm not, I'm not saying she is. Well, no, 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 I hear you. Hold on. I'm going to go ahead and shit on his entire premise. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks buddy. No, this is what happens. People are now understanding that cell phones are a thing. Right. If you're going to go commit a crime and you're going to try to get a, away with it, you're not going to take your cell phone with you yeah, as you, you go stab up your fucking wife. Yeah, you leave you're going to leave that apartment. shit at home. Yeah. Then the second you get back in the apartment, start throwing texts, start throwing pings. That Chris Watts fucker that mm-hmm. murdered his entire wife did this or 
his entire family did the same exact thing. Yeah. The second he got back home, yeah. he was calling her and texting, where are you, honey? Please answer. Jesus. So that there was a log saying, it couldn't have been me. Look at how concerned I was. Right. Nothing right now uh, absolves her of being a witness. And the cops know that, and they are treating her as such. Now, I understand your reason for sure. saying, we don't, we shouldn't do this because it's mean. And I get it. It's a very... Oh, I didn't cr- say that. Well, no, I'm saying that. Okay. I understand why most everybody would want to stay a million miles away from putting any direction towards the wife. Right. Because they feel so bad for her. Right. If what happened based on her accounts are true, then one of the rudest, dirtiest, meanest things you can do is to call her a killer. Right, right. But until a killer is found, and based on the timeline of all these kinds of murders and how they've all played out, she is in the fucking bullseye She's of oh, open She's part of the investigation. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, 100%. That's, and that's, well, and not only that, the FBI is now involved. Yeah. FBI does not get involved on murder cases. That's handled by the state. Murder is not a federal crime. Right. Now, there's a couple of different ways on how the FBI can get involved here. You already heard the news, and this is why I'm wondering, and I said this at the very beginning, it might have gotten lost because we were bouncing around with the Olympics, Olympic bombing, notoriety for horrible events. I think this one has all the ingredients to blow the fuck up. Fuck all these other murders where they're trying to immediately call serial killer on day three. I think that shit's retarded. Uh, If there is one, there'll be a lot more to talk about. Um, Mm. But right now, you you have a lesbian who was brutally murdered in Atlanta where Atlanta's been under a little bit of a microscope ever since the election. And since Rayshard Brooks before that, tensions are high. Crime is up. Hate crimes are a big thing. She was a social justice warrior. She championed for social justice and rights. And that's a savior for a lot of the people that are pushing narratives today. So one of theirs was taken down. This has all the ingredients for a massive media push to to make this the biggest story in Atlanta this year. And the FBI, I think, is involved because of all of those circumstances where they can easily make this look like somebody targeted her because of, you know, her being a lesbian or her being an activist or any of that shit. And so while they're formulating whatever the narrative is going to be, that's why my antenna is up to say it's probably something far more simple than this grand mystery of a mysterious shadowy figure just that's only going to do this to her never did anything like this before there's no record of dismemberment being found all over atlanta leading up to this Mm. there's not a heightened report of mutilated animals around the city of atlanta this is a one-off passion crime and that's that's where i'm at today I'll be interested to see what else comes out of this, but I will say this, all the other killings of women in parks around Atlanta, they aren't really being that informative. Um, I will say that because I was looking through, like you go on Reddit, you go, you start going through all these areas and they start sharing stories of how many women have been killed. Right. It's fucking bizarre. I'm not going to lie. It is. It's fucking weird, Mm -hmm. but they don't, they don't add up. They don't line up. Right. Well, but there's there's always that uh, large portion that goes unreported. That's you true. Know? And I mean, the shit that the cops hang on to that they don't want anybody to know because, I mean, that's 
That's the information they catch people on during interviews. Oh, you know, this wasn't released. Yeah. How did and, you know she had one red sock right. and one blue sock? Right. Like only, only somebody that was at the crime scene. And, does that. you know, one of the major things I would bring up as far as the wife's reaction, as far as how she was. I mean, I know the two of you have talked about, you know, the time or times maybe that you've seen dead body, you know? Yeah. Um, many of us don't have that experience. Right. I, I right. certainly don't. Um, and for her, you know, to walk up on a grisly scene like that, you know, for you not to be a hundred percent in reality for a while is not beyond the pale at all. Um, I, I think I would personally probably be one of those individuals that is like, you know, almost have no emotion about it for like the first few days. And then all of a sudden I'll have a fucking massive breakdown. You I'll, know? I'll share a drunk driving story with you. Okay. Uh, that th- this is what my dad did. My dad was, he was in the flower business. And so he knew all the funeral homes and everything. Mm-hmm. This man was drunk and got hit by a train. And at the funeral home, when they brought the body to the funeral home, my father called me and one of my friends and had us come to the funeral home. And when we got there, he said, before you walk in and see this, I want to tell you, this is what drinking and driving will do to you. Oh, shit. Mm. And we walked in that room, and what I saw laying on that table, I've never drank and drive my entire life. Mm-hmm. And my buddy that was with me, he ran outside and started throwing up. Mm-hmm. I bet. And I walked out of the room. My dad looked at me, and he said, did you get it? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, when you're talking about seeing dead bodies and seeing uh, things that are, it does change you. It changes sure. you in your core. Mm-hmm. It changes you. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, when I said I saw the dude get shot yep. down in Florida in the parking lot, it changes you. I think it makes you look at things in a more uh, investigative kind of way than if you haven't experienced that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because you want to know what caused that. I mean, yes, the guy got hit by a train and he was drunk, but what caused him to get hit by a train when he was drunk? You know, what? What? what is it that caused that to happen? Yeah. And I don't think my dad realized what that that set one off. thing did to me. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it did. It set me off on that. Same way any dead body I see, I'm like, what caused that? You know? Yeah. How did this person get... I mean, yeah. I know, I know, you know, the dude is like Matt when he's leaving here a couple of weeks ago, guy got cut in half. I mean, I don't know if y'all know about this, but on 316, there's a dude on a bike. He got cut in half mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, half of him was on one side of 316. Half of him was on the other side. Yeah. Oof. And Matt drove right by that. And he said, I shouldn't have looked, yep. but I looked, yeah. you know, and it to this day, he it, tells me he's still having dreams about it. Yeah. That's, he's going to live with that the rest of his life. Exactly. Yeah. And it's things like that. When things like that happen, it makes you look at the cause and effect of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why when we're talking about this case and cases like it, I look at cause and effect. That's, that's what I look at. Yeah. The fact that this woman was cut into pieces and the dog was killed, for me... What would cause that would be somebody being very angry at that person yeah. and 
The only way someone could get that angry at that person is to know that person very well. Yeah. You know? Or the only other explanation is that the environment in downtown Atlanta is far worse than I've even right. been saying. Right. Right. That if this is a random act, serial killer or not, get the fuck out of cities. Yes. <laughs> yeah, leave immediately. Because it's either I'm still going to It's s- one of the two. Yeah, it, it can it only is. be yeah, one of the it two. It can only be one of the two. It That's- can it can only either be somebody that she knew or so random that get the fuck out of cities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm still going to rest on that. Yeah, I'm that, the only fucking moron on this podcast that lives in the city. <laughs> get out. Get out. Yeah. I mean, but not not in the city proper where she yeah, was. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm further out, but still, you know, in it. You're closer to it than we are. That's for sure. It's, it's only a 25 minute drive for me to Atlanta, and that's with traffic. Yeah. As far as the Gwinnett County thing, um, you know, the girl being shot in the head and maybe there is something to all of these that like maybe it's the same caliber gun maybe it's the same kind of bullet maybe there is somebody going around shooting people Mm -hmm. you know and they want to find out who the fuck it is that's possible Um, but i don't think that that case has anything to do with the piedmont park case no yeah i I mean she was up and down yeah i mean so i mean that in, in itself does already decry what y'all are talking about right. as being a crime of passion. Also, somebody most likely that is familiar with the victim. Right. And, and as and, far as the Norcross thing, I haven't. I've heard nothing. Yeah. About a Norcross killing. And that's where I'm kind of like, mm, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. It's either bullshit, or they're hiding something. Or they're yeah, because of open investigations, they're not going to say shit. Now right. I can't. I can't just go call up any of my police buddies and say, hey, give me the lowdown on this. What do you know? Uh, they can't do that, and I wouldn't put them in that position. Right. Plus, I don't know if I'd really want to know. There's been time. I'll put it to you this way. This is now years ago, so, right. and I don't even know particulars to any degree that would get anybody in trouble. Right, right. But I do know on more than a handful of instances where I've hung out with police friends, active police at the time, um, we would go for, I guess, kind of ride-alongs. Like I've, I've, I've gotten the opportunity to fly in their helicopter at night as they're doing different uh, operations or whatever, whatever you want to call it. I bet that's cool as hell. It's a helicopter awesome. at night. It's got to be just cool as hell, especially with all the gadgets they have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you can see fucking. It, they and have you're some, looking down and you see nothing but lights, man. I bet that's fucking. They awesome. have some pretty f- cool fucking toys. There's no doubt about that, but. When you spend hours with police officers or firefighters, remember, firefighters got to clean a lot of this shit up. Right. Cops, oh, yeah. cops are there to investigate it. Yep. Firefighters and paramedics have to clean it up. Yeah. So talking with an array of first responders, they're on a very normal day. There's more fucked up shit that happens within a 10 mile mm-hmm. radius of where you live. If you live... In the metropolitan Atlanta area. I can't speak for any other city, but I'm pretty sure they're all similar. Yeah. There's more fucked up shit that happens within 10 miles in any direction of you than you'll ever know about. Every day. Every day. Every day. Fucked up shit. But you know what doesn't happen? Random people just getting murked by people they don't know. Right. That is that is outside of the norm. Most of the fucked up shit I've ever heard from friends of mine uh, in the law enforcement agency, law enforcement community um none of them have a lot of stories about really bizarre murders that they just were never able to solve right 
those tend to make the news. A lot of the fucked up shit that happens is conducted by people that they know. Um, you know, from the victim to the murderer, assailant, accuser, and, whatever. And I just want to make it clear that I'm not accusing anyone of anything with the way I'm thinking about this case. I'm not I'm not accusing the wife. I'm not accusing anybody. No. But I will say, you know, it's worth looking at. There's Just some, the, the the things that surround the case, it would not surprise you if. Right. Yeah. If, yes. it, if it comes out later that she was involved, if not the one to do it, I would, I would look back at the very first time that we heard her speak and right. say, it has a lot of the similar hallmarks as other cases where it turns out that the person you're hearing from was the one to do it. Right. That's all. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know for me, if I was in that position, uh, I would either shut completely down and I wouldn't talk to the fucking news. Um, that's probably what I would do. Yeah. If, 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 if something happened like that in my life, I wouldn't, I, I think it's one of two ways. You either shut the fuck down. You don't talk to fucking anybody because your entire world yeah. is destroyed. Right. Right. Or if you talk, you're so out of your mind, hysterical that it, that there's not even a second guess that, okay, that person's clearly right. Uh, can't even speak. Right. Right. It's when it's in between and they're super calm and speak in a similar manner that we've heard elsewhere is where it's, it's almost like a reaction, like a funny bone reaction right. or whatever. It's like a knee jerk reaction where I'm like, okay, well, fuck man. <laughs> fuck. Why did she have to sound like all these other people that I'm familiar with? Yeah. Uh, doesn't in itself mean anything. But like I said, the reason why I brought it up is I think this case has all the ingredients, if it gets wild enough, to be a monster fucking story to carry us out of this summer. And if anything comes around with it, you know, we'll talk about it. I think this one's so big, they're not going to be able to keep this one from... The news is going to want to talk about this more than well, anything. Well, yeah, yeah. Whatever happens with this case is going to be known immediately. Yeah. You know, so if this is the beginning of a serial killer gone mad this is gonna be fucking buckle up crazy year yeah i mean yeah. well yeah no shit. and after last year it wouldn't surprise me if there's a bunch of psychos out there ready to go oh yeah i mean that it's you know being shut down and especially like we talk about the mentally think about somebody that's already mentally off yeah and they see everything that they've seen over fucking last year over the year of COVID, mm -hmm. they maybe they weren't ready to act on any of this crazy shit that goes on in. Oh their yeah, head. No, no, these uh, last uh, few years have created one a vast amount of extremists, and then on the other, you know, at, at the same token, it's going to create a lot of psychopaths. Well, yeah, I mean, the yeah. mentally, just the mental, the the ones that are mentally off already, they're not looking for their thing to do they're just looking for a way to make the voices quit you know i mean there's a lot of i hear that a lot in in mental health about the voice in your head you know um and everybody's got that mm -hmm. I, I believe sure. that that's not a mental thing I, everybody has a voice that tells them yeah, yeah don't, don't do that. <laughs> oh, that that's 20 years <laughs> that's, that's 20. Uh, yeah i mean everybody's got that little voice that tells them but these people are talking about actual voices, yeah. actual that they can hear in their head and things like that. And when you've got people that hear things like that in their head and they 
see what we've seen yeah. over the past year. And that's a dangerous fucking combination to throw out onto the public. And that's know? and that's why I brought this story up because we don't this is exactly what the city does not need. Uh fuck the circumstances around it. A high profile public murder in a city that's already experiencing a fucking surge in violent crime. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, like you said, the people that haven't snapped yet might say, and there's, I mean, the screenshot that I just shared, you have no idea what the responses are on that. Everybody's losing their shit in this one area that's looking at this crime this way. Right. The ones that have already deemed this to be a serial killer, they are on such high fucking alert. Their stress levels are so high. They are, they're snapping. They're, they're snapping online about this. And I guarantee like it's, it's just spiking the fear. Well, we're in the age of the internet sleuth. And so, I mean, for a lot of these, I'm sure it's setting off a lot of alarms that they already feel, you know, for other cases that they've already involved themselves. Most with. internet sleuths are fucking retards though. Maybe we should ask Snopes <laughs> who did it. Uh, they'll say it's mostly <laughs> false. You know, everything we said would be mostly false. Um, but no, most internet sleuths are retards. The only ones I trust are the, the true autists on 4chan. Those are the ones that actually solve shit. It's actually, it's pretty fucking surprising, but these, uh, Instagram wine moms that listen to nothing but true crime and immediately think half of them probably think what we think. It's like, oh yeah, the wife probably did it. And they just move on about their day. It's the ones that keep going back to post going, oh, MG, this is so terrifying. Women, blah, blah, blah. It, it, they're, at, they're hunting down women. It's like, okay, well, first of all. Strap up. Yeah, strap up. You know, it, it, I don't know. Take classes to protect yourself. Even if, yeah. this, even if murders weren't happening. Uh, put yourself in a position where you're able to, to defend yourself and protect others. That's not a bad thing at any time. But to just... Be online fucking reading like this, uh, unnecessary. And it's only going to, it's going to stoke artificial fear where it doesn't need to be, um, until more shit happens. I have a strange question. What you got? What kind of dog was it? Uh, all, from all the pictures, the dog looked like, uh, like a pit boxer, black lab ish kind of a mix. Um, I thought I remember hearing pit. Or Doberman, or something like that. Well, you know that that's a, that's yeah. another clue. <laughs> that's definitely another clue because I know this. I know if uh, anybody tried to try some shit on on our dog, mm -hmm. yeah, I believe he could handle himself. Oh, sure. I mean, he's a he's a big boy, and that was one of the first things I thought was okay. May if this was random. And it was a stranger or, yeah. Well, the dog has to go first. Yeah. Oh, f f for sure. Yeah. But after after you do the dog and then you kill the woman, now it's time to take it up and not like, I, it, that doesn't add up. I know that, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of things about this case that don't make sense to me, but I was, I, yeah, I was just wondering what kind of dog it it's was. A, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of the dog now. It's definitely a pit bull mix. Decent, decent or size. Or even a possible just straight up pit. Decent size dog. Uh, yeah. 50 a little, pounds. A little bit bigger. Yeah. yeah. I'd say yeah. 
a little bigger than Buddy's size. Uh-huh. Probably closer to Dolly's size. My my previous dog. Well, I mean, if, that if, size. If, you know, if sixty five pounds or so. Yeah, that's a that's a formidable opponent. Oh if, yeah. If, oh if yeah. If a stranger's coming up, fuck yeah, <laughs> that's a very formidable opponent. Fuck, and you're not so. going to be startled if you have a dog. The dog's going to know that right. some shit's up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again. Yes. <laughs> I know. That's that's so, what I'm saying. Is there's strange things about this. I'm curious. There's got to be somebody out there with scratches and wounds on themselves. Whoever whoever did this, right? Unless it was somebody that was welcomed by the dog that the dog would not react to, right? Yep. Um, interesting stuff. I mean, it sucks, obviously, but uh, it, it's just a continuance of the chaos that is Atlanta and how much different we are now than we were 25 years ago. <laughs> When all you had was the the Olympic bombing. I know it's weird to say it that way. Happy anniversary, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh, man. I'm getting to where I'm really not liking my own city man. that much anymore. And, the, uh, silver, the, the silver anniversary of kinda, Atlanta. Kind of wouldn't mind to move far the fuck away. <laughs> you know, I, I, just following up as far as, you know, moving back here. I will still say, you know, I, I'm very happy with my choice to come back here, mm-hmm. but that choice, I have, I have endured more injuries in the state <laughs> of Georgia, yeah. I think, than in any other state in this, uh, that I've lived. Yeah, uh, many self-inflicted wounds you got there, sir. Yes, yeah. You, you need an ass doctor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I've spent most of this episode, uh, standing. And y'all, you know, uh, definitely mentioned it previously. Yeah. Um, I was uh, house sitting slash dog sitting for Jim. And, um, you know, I, I was getting out of the shower. And um, even as I was getting out, it was 100% something I was thinking about. I go, don't fall. Don't fall. Don't fall. Fall. which you would think would lead me to some you know smart move like i don't know putting a towel down or something on the floor no no just you know took all that data and completely threw it out the window and i i stick my foot out of the shower and it i slip immediately it wasn't you know dramatic like I almost caught myself or anything. No, it was completely like, whoop. and, um, the only thing, I mean, fortunately I could have injured myself a lot more majorly. Now, real quick. I was just thinking in my, in my head, my voices in my head were, were talking to me saying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. Don't take this the wrong way around him. <laughs> you know, it'd be fucking hilarious. It was a- <laughs> <laughs> if he fell and broke his neck and died in my house. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you're not letting me finish. The funny part's coming later. <laughs> oh, okay. If he fell and broke his neck and died in my house, and then I come home from Nashville, and I talk to a news reporter, and they're like, <laughs> Sir, what happened? How did you know this man? And if I came out like, I always, I've told him so many times to put a towel down. Like, this, <laughs> this is... This should have never been. Some d- 
dickweeds in fucking Boise, Idaho would be on a podcast saying, I think he killed him. Yeah. He put water all over the floor. He put fucking baby oil on yeah, that floor. Yeah. Like you can hear it in his voice. Yeah, the dude's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> I will say what's with me staying at your house and my ass being worse for wear. I would love to know the answer to that. Oh. <laughs> I was legit in another state. <laughs> and we're not going to blame it on your dog. So no, that would bring up a whole new, you know, um, batch of questions. Yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm putting the blame solely on you. Oh, because, it, no, it's a hundred percent my fault. <laughs> Cause I know everybody, and we're coming to the end here. So I'm not trying to start another 30 minute conversation, but everybody has a different method on how they get out of the shower. Uh, many, um, Horrible comedians have done bits about this, but even if there was nothing on the floor, like no uh, bath mat or whatever, there's never a time where I just step directly onto linoleum or tile or whatever, yes. ever. No, you don't do that. I take the towel. I When I'm done showering, I turn the shower off. I'm still in the shower. I grab the towel. I dry off in the shower. Yes. And then I take the towel long ways in front of me, and I put it down, and then I step on it, yep. and then I take the remaining towel that's in front of me, <laughs> and then I go down my legs. Right, right. And yeah. then that way, no wet body part ever touches anything slippery, and, ever. And you, and you know how many people die that way? A shitload. Uh, but I most mean, of them are old. Die. Yeah, most of them are, but <laughs> the some only, of them are The only some thing keeping Arona alive is his youth. <laughs> yeah, that's if it. If he was older, He'd this be, man would yeah. have been dead, been dead no. last year on yeah. the hiking trail. <laughs> I, I would say it's pure luck at this point that's keeping me alive. It's, it has nothing to do with youth. Well, uh, if you were older, you would have probably cracked your tailbone, broken a hip. You would have been fucked, dude. Well, you need an ass oh, doctor. No, my, that's, no. All, that's, that's all I can say. My coccyx, to, for sure, is uh, not doing well. Yeah, I, I mean, sitting on it is... I mean, I've spent most of the week laying on my side. Because, yeah, it, it's fucking brutal, uh, sitting in this chair, it's brutal being in my car. It's brutal. Yeah. Doing, I mean, even I, I tried to get a donut mm -hmm. and that wasn't doing shit either. It was just, I am always now in it. And I, I read, you know, it takes a minimum usually of four weeks, uh, for even just a bruised coccyx. Can you oh. just say tailbone? Tailbone. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I ass. Hate that word. Ass. <laughs> my ass. Yeah. I broke my ass. I cracked my ass. Yes. I did I crack my ass. my ass. Yes. I'm just glad that I wasn't home. And you're unemployed. Yep. You better get you some Obamacare. <laughs> you're going to need it. Well, Actually, I, I, I do have the application out there for that. So, <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm selfishly, I'm going to say this because uh, I think it's funny. Um, I'm glad I wasn't home. Because if I would have heard that, <laughs> it must have been a thunderous crash. Yes. It must have been loud. I would have probably, and probably a scream. <laughs> the pitch of that scream, I... Oh, whoop! <laughs> 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 not again! <laughs> no, fortunately, I will say I am not a loud faller. <laughs> I do not I do not yell. I do not scream. <laughs> if Verona yeah. falls, does he make a sound? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I fucking don't know. It's, it's never happened like, it's around a, me. It's a, a whoop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if I would have heard just the fall itself, I would have run upstairs and I would have probably opened the door and seen a naked Arona 
lying on the floor in agony and pain. And I'm glad I don't have that mental image. Every, oh. <laughs> every fall I've ever experienced was preceded by, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every one of them. Oh, oh sure. I, I spent the next five minutes cussing myself out and, for and my I, stupidity. I, I fell in the, in the studio yesterday uh-huh. and fucked up one of Matt's stands. I've got to buy him another stand. I uh, fell into his kit because we're covering the studio to do some video shit. And there were a up. lot of cables up under the the covering there. Yeah. And I tripped and fucking right into his kit, man. I if, guess, I, if I hadn't have caught myself on his stand, I'd have took his whole fucking kit out. I, I guess I'm lucky. All all the times I've ever fallen down is because I'm drunk Um, to this point. Right. You know, when you do the kind of work I do, shit happens. Crazy shit happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've ridden 40-foot ladders all the way to the ground and jumped off right before it hit the ground and been just fine. Mm-hmm. And then I've had, you know, I've fallen off a fucking three-foot shit and fucked my <laughs> shit up. You know, so, I mean, it's it's all in your awareness yeah. of when the fall actually happens. Yep. That's the key to falling. I mean, I, I is, will say, yeah. It, it just comes down to reflexes. Yes, like, it does. Are it, you on, you, are you, do you have a self-preservation mode safest, anywhere in your body? The safest thing to grab <laughs> yeah. to keep the fall from being a catastrophic fucking yeah. thing. No, I, I will say, you know, of the potential injuries or injuries I've had, they could have all been a million times worse because... Fortunately, once the oh shit moment happens for me, I do usually make very good halftime adjustments. Right, right. Uh, You know, like I told you, Jim, you know, on my way, as I felt myself slip, my body was turning in such a way that my right leg that's still injured from my spill down the stairs at my new residence... Um, God damn. I, <laughs> I al- almost fell in such a way that I would have not only re-injured, but probably <laughs> injured it a shit ton more than what it already was. And I guided myself at the last moment to fall directly on my lower back and um, ass. We got to get a fall pool going. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we're it, talking to the next president of the united states <laughs> he's gonna make joe biden look graceful Wait, if he continues on this fucking how many path. falls have you had since you've been here i know four uh I, I, you, four you, yes I you're know catching four. me by one i, I know one, three one was the night that you were fucking hammered we watched it happen on the fucking oh did i <laughs> on fall? The ring doorbell <laughs> yes we watched it yeah. on the doorbell footage. Oh no, that, shit. that's four. But I, I mean, I don't think you. Uh, it what that wasn't an ass busting, but it was still a fall. I consider it a fall. Yeah. Uh. So we. Got, I was too drunk for that one. Okay, so I don't we got the it. mud. We got that one. Yeah. We got the one at your house. Yeah. And the we stairs. got this one right here. That's yeah. four. That's at least that many. Because I remember you've told me a handful of times. Uh, you've even texted me like ah, I just fell. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or oh, I just busted my ass here. Or, I just busted my ass there. Or, yeah, like, weren't, you, did, weren't mean, you doing an Uber or something one night and busted your ass? No, I don't no? think so. No, no. I mean, I, 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 I do tend to fall. It's not. It's <laughs> he's prone to falling. It's cool. not an unusual. I mean, even in <laughs> Oregon, it definitely happened. I, I, 
I know that there's quite a few people in rush hour traffic that witnessed me walking okay. from. Okay, those are my allies. Those are the ones that are like, nah, Jim didn't kill him. Yeah. We've seen yeah. this guy. Yeah. We've seen this guy. Seen Not good with his feet. I saw him walking across the interstate. Doesn't pick him up. Just kind of like it's. I will say this your walking motion is. I've studied this. I've oh, studied. Christ. I've had a lot of field material to work with. I've studied your walking motion. And I swear to God, man, I don't know how you don't fall every step uh, if the if you're going down a decline, because you just seem to throw your legs out in front of you and it just catches. Like there's no level of intent. You walk or back. control. You don't walk forward. You walk back. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. You leave your weight on the back. Like That's- I don't. It. I don't see a lot of. I know exactly where my leg is going. I know exactly where my foot's going to plant. Um, intent. I don't know. It just seems it. It is. It's just like kind of <laughs> flinging legs out, and hoping that they stop on something, right, right. and then yeah. that's called a step. <laughs> and, and if there's anything outside of like perfectly level ground, it's I can I can tell you you mentally have to like navigate it. Like okay, there's a change here. <laughs> there's there's a, there's a stick here. All right, got to get over this. All right, we got to get we got to get the pool going, baby. So we got to get the pool going. <laughs> Is it going to go right next say, to our storm? I counter? say I say three weeks and four days. I'll Ooh. give him three weeks and four days until Jesus his ass Christ doesn't hurt, or until, until he, another fall, until the next fall. <laughs> okay, better yet, over under. What do you think's going to happen first? His ass stops hurting, or he falls again? I think he falls again before his ass stops hurting. I'm with you there. I, I, oh Jesus I'm Christ! I'm with you there. I'm uh, with you there. And well, his ass is going to hurt even more. Yeah. <laughs> Call this a chance or whatever. I don't know. Um, it's funny, though. The four-week mark happens on your birthday. Fuck yeah. Nah, there you go. <laughs> Either way, I'm going to be celebrating. Happy birthday, Duel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, actually, oh, so, so my, my, sister, my sister could tell you a story of when she was younger, uh, you know, around 17, 16, 17, she was working... She might have even been eighteen. I don't know. She was working at a at a a hairstyle in place, so the salon. Yeah. And I went in one night to tell her to come out to the car because my, you know my mom was picking her up. And the owner of the place remembers. Uh, I mean, because she told me they talked about this like for at least a couple years after. Because I'm walking in, it's raining. And right as I got to the door, I put my hand on the door and then my entire body goes horizontal. <laughs> the door took him out. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like your, your fall stories are like very mundane. Things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like for example, I got friends that could tell you stories about me busting ass in public. Right. Uh, here's one, for example, in, in downtown Athens. Many years ago, thank God, uh, I was leaving a bar. Surprise, surprise. Okay. All right. I enjoyed some libations from that bar, and I took it upon myself, as soon as we exited, to go to yet another bar. In Athens, it might have changed. This was back in the day when parking meters were in front of every single parking spot, and they range in height from, I don't know, four feet, five feet. Some of them are, uh, well, they're taller than they should be. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, earlier in the night, I was leapfrogging these little bollards they had all around downtown uh, that were maybe three feet high. 
Like, all I, I could walk across them, but I leapfrogged myself into these things and was just having a good old time. Well, leaving the bar, I see this parking meter, and I'm like, I'm going to fucking... I'm going to fucking leapfrog this bitch. And so I grab it with my hands. And all you do to leapfrog for anybody out there that doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about. First of all, go outside and play. You jump Um, and push. Yeah. You push up on the, well, in this case, a parking meter. And you push it between your legs and project your body over it. And then you land on your fucking feet. In theory. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tried this. Having an undefeated record of leapfrogging, you know, stationary objects up until this point this night, I leapfrog up and I had it cleared, but this was back when saggy shorts and shit were all the rage. Skinny jeans weren't even yeah, your a sh- thing. Your shorts didn't make it. So, yeah, I caught myself below my nuts, thank God. <laughs> yeah. All right. But then not thank God, because it immediately caught me, stopped me, and then I racked myself on the fucking <laughs> top of this parking meter, and then I fell forwards, because my yeah. momentum was still yeah. carrying, and I fell directly on my face Ooh. with my feet above my head. I did the scorpion pose, right, where right. my legs are bent backwards, and my the bottom of my feet are touching the back of my head. That's that's uh, that's uh, what you call a forward motion. It's a classic, everybody in that visual area that could see me just stopped and all laughed. Oh, yeah. Rightfully so. It was retarded. It was the dumbest shit they had seen that night, and I was the guy that did it. But Uh, I got up. I dusted myself off. I leapfrogged zero parking meters the rest of the night, and I continued to get. I continued to drink off the pain. And you're here today to talk about it. Yeah. Well, see, and you know, from the story I was just telling, um, what happened after I fell? I popped up right away, and I walk into the salon, and the owner just looks at me. You okay? And I acted like nothing happened. I was like, yeah, sure. Why? <laughs> They're yeah, like, why? what? You don't open a door laying on your side? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? And you run this place? Yeah. God damn. Sister, get the fuck out. She quits. Yeah. She quits, by the way. <laughs> run by somebody that stands up when they open doors. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, shit. Well, I think that's a wrap for this week, friends. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed our goofy tales of breaking tales. Uh, <laughs> serial killers and such oh man mm-hmm. we'll keep our eyes oi, out oh i did say this last week we would, we would keep you posted on any developments with that whole texas oklahoma big 12 sec whatever uh, it's official in. texas they're and oklahoma in. are coming to the sec they currently said it was slated for a 2025 uh, initiation start whatever it's not gonna take that long they'll be in the sec Probably next year, if not 2023. And uh, this sucks. This sucks all around. They're ruining football. Go fuck yourselves, Texas and Oklahoma. That's it. All right. That's it. Yeah. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>